Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the content creators and should not be assumed to reflect product endorsements or the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is Michael Byington welcoming you to the 102nd annual meeting of the Kansas Association for the Blind and Visually Impaired. And we are very glad to have you here. Um, I do want to start this virtual convention by letting you all know that uh, you are in for a controversial and subversive time. Now, the way I know that is a few days ago, I attempted to post our agenda on our Facebook page. Facebook took it down and sent me a note saying that I had put up something subversive and that violated their community standards. And if I did it again, I'd be in Facebook jail. I haven't figured out yet what about our agenda is sufficiently uh, controversial or subversive to uh, cause Facebook to take it down, but something must be. So I want all of you to listen carefully and see if you can figure out just what part of this agenda offended Facebook. That seemed like a good uh, introduction to get everybody interested in what we're doing today. Uh, I am president of the organization. Uh, the board of directors couldn't find anybody that was organized and qualified enough to be president, so they chose me. We have... A lot of people to thank, and I'm not going to try to give a list of people ahead of time because as sure as I do, I'll leave out somebody that I really want to leave in. So I'm going to thank people as I introduce them or um, Ann will as she does uh, through various parts of the program. Uh, the first thing that I want to do, though, is thank and introduce our wonderful ACB media folks who are helping us uh, transmit this convention through uh, online and uh, uh, Alexa and so on all over the uh, country and well, all over the world, really. Uh, we have uh, Cecily Nipper running the show from ACB Media. Our first host today is Sheila Young. And our streamer is Tyson Ernst. And they have helped us with our conventions in the past. So those are names that you may remember. You will hear their voices from time to time. And you will recognize them as the famous and wonderful voices that you often do hear if you listen to ACB Radio. Media. Uh, ACB Media. Uh, I'm an old geezer who has... Uh, memory issues, and I keep forgetting that they changed the name from ACB Radio to Media, but uh, the A-girl here at our house has been kind enough to give me what I want to hear, even if I say the wrong thing. And uh, we are now going to go to our first door prize, and I'm going to explain how this works on the door prize. Uh, we have, I don't know how many people listening throughout the world to us, but we have 36 people who registered to receive the Zoom link to be able to ask questions and fully uh, participate in the convention. And those people are eligible for door prizes. 
we have uh, them numbered one through 36. And what I'm going to do is ask the A girl uh, across the room from me to give me a randomly generated number between one and 36. And then Bob Chaffin, our wonderful treasurer, will be telling us who that uh, person is. And uh, I cannot thank Bob enough for many, many years of service. Uh, you know, when Derwood McDaniel uh, was uh, involved with ACB and helping a lot of uh, state organizations with their constitutions, one of the things he said is if you're going to put term limits on some of your offices, don't put them on the secretary or the treasurer, because if you get a good one, you want to keep them for just as long as you can. And I don't think when Bob was elected treasurer back in the 1970s or early 80s, he realized that he was going to uh, end up getting uh, roped into this for almost a lifelong appointment so far. But we are eternally grateful to Bob. He has kept this organization above water and is a wonderful treasurer. And he'll be telling us who the number is. So, Alexa, generate a random number between 1 and 36. All right. Why isn't she hearing me? Let's see what's going on here. Probably probably can't hear her. Generate a random number between 1 and 36. Here's a number between 1 and 36. It's Number 26, Bob. That is Miss Hermione Moore. All right. All right. And uh, what does she get? What she gets is an Amazon gift card that was uh, donated by Binds and Advocacy Consulting of Kansas. And uh, we'll be mailing that to her after the convention. So congratulations, Hermione. The rest of what we're going to do as a convention and opening here, unless I forgot something, and I don't think I did, is I want to introduce somebody else that I need to thank incessantly, and that is my wife, Ann Byington, who is also on our boards of direct, uh, board of directors and is a uh, uh, corresponding secretary for us. Uh, Ann has, uh, is a past president, and she put the last two conventions together almost single-handedly. She has been incredible help to me and has probably taken on a lot of things that I should have done or supervised more closely. Uh, I say that uh, sometimes I'm kind of windy, but Anne is the wind beneath my wings. And uh, I could not do what I do without her support. And she's the quiet one of the Byntons normally. (laughs) <laughs> but she's not going to be quiet now. She's going to go over a little bit about our agenda, and then she will be introducing Lori as our first speaker. Good morning, everyone. Um, hopefully, all of you have received a, a copy, an email copy of the program. Uh, I'm going to go through it as quickly as I can with my e-reader. It, it doesn't cooperate real well, so we'll see how this works. Um, Today, from 10.15 to 10.45, we have Lori Kessinger with Audio Reader. Uh, At 10.45 to 11.15, we have the Kansas State School for the Blind Superintendent, John Hardy. At 11.15, what? 11.15, what did I say before? Hang on a minute. 
think I said the wrong time. Um, 10.45 to 11.15 is the School for the Blind. 11.15 to um, 11.45 is Michael Lang with Talking Books program. Um, 11.45 to 12.15 is the Kansas Older Blind program with Mandy Smith. 12.15 to 1.15 is a group we haven't had before. These are Computers for the Blind uh, with Marcy Duty and uh, Brian Carver. They are a group that offers uh, low-cost refurbished computers. So if you need a new computer, this is somebody you really want to listen to. And then the next presenter from 115 to 145 is Ed Hengler, who is also somebody that we don't know very well. He does something called the Blind Guide. He deals with employment opportunities, particularly for veterans, excuse me, for veterans and then also for other visually impaired people. And given that we still know that our population is highly unemployed or underemployed, he's somebody that you might want to know about. Uh, two forty, excuse me, 145 to 215 is Julia Camillus. She works with Kansas Youth Empowerment Academy. Um, and if you are a visually impaired young person or you're the parent of a student with a disability, they don't have to be blind. This is someone you'll want to hear from. 215 to 245 is our friend Michael McCary from Assistive Technology for Kansas. And uh, 245 to 330 is Mr. Michael Monteferranti, the CEO of Envision, who will update us from, we had, I think, six or eight people from them last year. So we'll, we'll have a shorter presentation from him. 3.30 to four, 5 o'clock, we will do our business and meeting and elections with Michael. Um, <clears throat> and then we're going to have a virtual banquet this evening. We haven't ever done this before, but it's going to be lots of fun. At 7 o'clock, we have um, Michael Byington with the MC. Our banquet speaker is a young woman named Ashley Mazel. She is uh, somebody that I found out through a PR uh, firm, which is kind of an interesting way to do that. She's going to talk about her experience as a newly visually impaired parent who is homeschooling her children and then um, and, and does a lot of other interesting things. She's got a blog and she'll tell you about herself. Finally, after her, we're going to do something that I've been wanting to do forever uh, and we're calling this Where Are They Now? This is a a current scholarship winner whose name is Stockton Greenwald, and we did a pre-recorded uh, conversation with him earlier uh, last week, and you will find him fascinating to listen to. He's, he's won three of our scholarships over the past several years, and he has made really, really good use of them. So don't, don't skip the banquet on, I mean, wait till the very end and listen to him because he's worth hearing. That's today's agenda. Thank you. And then uh, right now, I, if they, we have no questions or other things going on, we're going to listen to our friend, Laura Kessinger from Audio Reader. And uh, Laura, this time you really do just get 30 minutes. <laughs> and hopefully, 
uh, you will ask people for questions. We don't usually get a lot of questions, but we might this year. Whenever right. I say things, they change. So, <laughs> Well, I'm good with questions, but as you all know, I can also talk for 30 minutes if we don't have any questions. So okay. we'll just leave it up to the moderators to tell me when I need to stop. So I'm Lori Kessinger. I'm the Outreach Coordinator for Audio Reader. Um, have been with this organization for a little over 30 years. So most of you know me and know Audio Reader. But a couple of the things that I want to talk about today are some new things and different things that we are doing. The first one is this coming Monday, September 26th, we are having what we are calling Tech Council Office Hours. We have a few um, uh, blind ind individuals who are blind who use a bunch of assistive adaptive technology to listen to Audio Reader and to do other things. And they have, they've been meeting with Audio Reader giving us ideas on ways to become, to stay more relevant. You know, we're talking about apps. We talk about making our lady a skill work a lot better, um, just to, uh, making the website more accessible. So they have been very instrumental in just letting us know um, some, you know, how, how the, how Audio Reader works with accessibility features. So, and I know that I'm probably preaching to the choir here and that, um, yes, Michael and Anne should have been on our council, but you're not. So, um, you know because you guys already know everything. But um, so that, anyway, our tech council is a Zoom meeting September 26th from 6 to 7 p.m. And it is an opportunity for you to call into the Zoom and ask questions and hear little tutorials on how to use your Amazon device, uh, your iPhone, your iPad, apps and other types of adaptive technology. We're going to focus primarily on how to listen to audio reader, like how to listen to audio reader using your Victor stream or how to listen to audio reader on demand through the Lady A device. But really it's a conversation. It's going to be more of a conversation than a presentation. Hey, I just got a new iPhone. How do I make X and such work? Uh, so Kimberly Morrow and Dion Walker, who have been longtime listeners of Audio Reader will be running the Tech Council. Uh, if you want to register, if you want to participate, you can send uh, uh, the information for joining the Zoom is on our website at reader.ku.edu slash tech council, all one word, T-E-C-H-C-O-U-N-C-I-L. Um, you also can email me, lrk at ku.edu, and I will send you that link probably sometime Monday afternoon, but we'd like to have you join us. And also, even if, uh, I also encourage you to join us, even if you are skilled, because you might be able to answer a question for someone who's logged on wanting to know. So that's an attempt to create a little bit more of a dialogue. You know, audio readers kind of been, hey, turn us on and listen. Well, we're trying to become more interactive. So this is an attempt to talk with the people who use Audio Reader and find out how to make it more accessible and tell you what we already have working. So that's coming up on Monday. Um, before that, I guess I should have started chronologically. This Saturday is the Kansas State School for the Blind 5K. It's their fundraising 5K. And we, Audio Reader, um, yours truly, is offering open audio description during the 5K. So I will be there at the start of the race and during the race and we'll be audio describing the event. Um, we're gonna just do it through the PA system instead of using headsets like we normally do for theater performances or using QR codes like we do for museums. But I will be there. Basically, it's gonna end up being like color commentary. I'll talk a lot about what the crowd's doing and various other things. They do have an announcer who will talk about 
the race course and who wins and that sort of thing. So I'm going to add like the color um, to the 5K. So if you are participating in the 5K in person on Saturday, I will see you. Um, You can come over and say hello to me, but I will be at the event providing open audio description. Um, Since we're on the audio description discussion too, we are providing audio description of the entire, uh, at Theater Lawrence, in Lawrence, the second Friday night performance, we will be audio describing their season. I didn't pull up the season, but if you are interested, again, you can email me or you can go to their website, theaterlawrence.com. It's theater spelled with an R-E instead of E-R, T-H-E-A-T-R-E, lawrence.com. And you will um, purchase your tickets through them, uh, but we will be providing audio description on the second Friday of each of the shows. Priscilla, Queen of the Desert is the first show, and that is September 30th. So we will be at that and then the rest of the season. I think Cinderella around the holidays, there's an Agatha Christie. Um, there, I think there's six shows in that. So again, if you want more information about description or um, help signing up, finding tickets, let me know. Again, lrk at ku.edu. We are launching um, a new expanded programming and starting, I believe, in October. End of October, we will be going back to having live morning readers. You know, since before COVID, we had a reader reading the Kansas City Star and a reader reading the Topeka paper, and they alternated back and forth for an hour. Um, and we, of course, that went away when we had to go remote for COVID. We are bringing that back. So starting, I think, October 24th, we will have live readers for the Kansas City Star, Topeka Capital Journal back in our studios. We also are launching um, a some feeds primarily into the Kansas City metro area. So during the afternoon time when we're reading papers of Missouri, of Eastern Kansas, we'll have a separate stream going to Casey Metro and it will have it will be featuring um, different topics of interest to folks in the metro area. So I don't have a whole lot of details on that. That'll probably come out in our program guide and we'll start promoting that on air soon. The I think the the uh, the bugs are being worked out of that, but we have the capability because of yay technology to provide different streams of information to different regions of the state or the two state area. So our test group is to provide specific information to KC Metro people. Um, it'll also be through the Lady A device. You will be able to request that specific. It'll be an on-demand type of thing. So I'm um, just expanding the offerings. I think we're going to do different focuses. One day is going to be community news. One day is going to be sports news. And to have a little stronger focus, try and cover more of the publications that are available um, in the KC Metro. Um, I'm not sure. We'll see how this goes. I know there are plans to expand into other regions, but I don't know what region would be next. So Audio Reader is still here. Um, we're still we're still broadcasting on those crappy little radios. We still have our telephone reader service. Um, we do have the relatively new skill for the Amazon device, as and that is both stream and on demand. Um, we are working on an app. We had a, a meeting a couple of weeks ago, and it will prim- it will originally be just an app that links to the stream. It will not be a searchable app to begin with, but it will be both an an iPhone and an Android app where you can download that to your phone or your iPad and be able to listen that way. If you don't have the um, Amazon device, makes it easier for for folks to be able to find us. So um, let me see, is that all? I think those are all the new things that are on the top of my head that are going on. Does anybody have any questions for me? Can I clarify 
anything for you or do you want me to re-explain <laughs> something? Because I tried to talk slowly, but I didn't. I realized that. But you only gave me 30 minutes. Anne's got her hand raised. What, what do you, how do you, how do we find you on the A girl? What do we say? Um, enable the, okay. uh, enable the audio reader skill. Okay. And then it will, and then she will ask you, I believe she asks you, are you blind or visually impaired? Or will tell you, will give you some sort of disclaimer language that again, we're required to because of the right. university. And then you say yes, or answer her appropriately. Um, and then it should be available. And then from that point on, you can either say play audio reader, or you can say play by a specific program name. Now it has to correspond with the program name in our program guide. So the Kansas, actually, that's not true. Uh, the Kansas City Star, you can call that up. Topeka Capital Journal, you can call that up. But like the regional newspapers, the Sunflower Dailies, which is Emporia, Manhattan, Hutch, and Salina, they're called Sunflower Dailies. So to hear them, you'll have to say, Alexa, play Sunflower Dailies. Um, but the others you can do, Wichita Eagle, Lawrence Journal World, USA Today, whatever it may be. Um, we've had some glitches. Like give us a call if you do find something weird, but we've got the on-demand going. We're also reformatting our um, on-demand digital archive webpage so that it's better, easier searchable. Right now it's alphabetical and we're going to change it so that we've got like local news at the top and it will list all of the local news programs we have. And then it will have inspirational shows and it'll list all the inspirational shows and it'll have magazines and list all the magazines. That way it's easier to search with your screen reader um, if you're browsing through looking for a specific program from the on-demand section of our website. Okay, thank you. Michael. Yes, Lori. Uh, most of the time, uh, I am the person who uh, persons the KABVI office, and so we get a lot of calls about how do I get information? I am newly blind, or I've moved, or I've gotten more interested in things. And I do make a referral, therefore, to Audio Reader just every once in a while. And one lady who is uh, working with us that I've, I know I've transmitted several messages to you all is in a nursing home. And she absolutely loves Audio Reader, but she's been having a lot of reception problems uh, because of the nature of uh, her nursing home environment. And uh, I know you have told me that that's not uncommon for you to have to work out things Maybe you could discuss a little bit about uh, what some of the problems are with uh, the antennas and with the radios and uh, for people to get audio reader who are in those kinds of living settings. Right. The, the radios, the closed circuit radios that are the original way all audio information services are transmitted is technology that was invented, created, found, whatever, in the late 1950s. And it is a sub-channel of FM. So it's just picking up, it's a crystal tuned device that picks up just this one specific um, sub-channel, 67 kilohertz subcarrier for those of you that are really into like radio and ham radio stuff. Um, and it picks up just that transmission, which is coming off of, for the most part, public radio stations in Kansas and Missouri. So the technology is old. There is no new tech, there is no new radio technology. Um, the radios that we sent out in 1992 are the same radios that we are sending out now in 2022. Um, so that creates a problem because the airwaves have become so much more cluttered than back in the day. So some of the locations where the radios worked great 
just because of all the clutter, they no longer work. They have a lot of interference, crosstalk, buzz, whatever. So it is not the best way um, to access audio reader, but unfortunately the other options, of course, are related to internet. So if you are in a facility, um, if you are in a region of Kansas or Missouri that does not have good internet, you're kind of stuck with those radios or the telephone, which is complicated because it's a menu-driven thing. So the things that we can do with those closed-circuit radios, we can attach an external antenna. Um, I have antennas available. There, there's one called a Turk antenna. It's kind of, it looks like the Washington Monument. It's a tall, long, um, triangular shaped device. You hook it onto the back of the radio and then it has its own power source and you plug that in and you can move the antenna around and that may help bring the radio in. I have actually had a lot more luck with just the old, um, I'm going to forget what the names are, dipole antennas. So the, the flexible T-shaped ones that we used to put on our stereos, um, it, it's, a, it's a clear plastic and it's usually in the shape of a T and it's all flexible something, flexible mesh, and you can spread it out and move it into a T-shape or an X-shape. I've had really good luck with those. Uh, and again, um, Audio Reader can provide those for you. A lot of people have them. You see them at Radio Shack, but now there are no Radio Shacks. But we have those antennas and the Turk antennas that we can provide to people, and they just need to plug it into their, um, hook it to the back of the radio, and then extend it out. And I, I was thinking last night, Michael, that I needed to check in with the lady in, she's in Coffeeville, right? So I need to check in with her because I sent her that dipole antenna, but it wasn't connected properly to the connector. So she was going to try and find somebody to help her reconnect it. It came, um, it moved during shipping, I guess. So I need to follow up with her. But that, um, with that, you can extend those out and put them like over a window or in an outside wall. The issue with um, assisted living, nursing homes, um, any type of congregate living is because they are built with concrete and metal and are trying to be, you know, strong enough that they're like not, that they're, I don't know, tornado proof, earthquake proof, that that metal and that concrete restricts the amount of signal, FM signal that can get into the building. So a lot of people, um, they, they don't have just trouble with audio readers radio, they have trouble with any radio reception. Um, and that's just the nature of the way the building was built. So before the uh, host recognizes the next person, I do have a follow-up question based on, on your answer there. Uh, for about the last 25 or 30 years, Ann and I have had a uh, audio reader receiver sitting in our living room, uh, which does still occasionally work. But now that there's all the other ways uh, of accessing audio reader, uh, we really don't have that on hardly at all when we turn it on some as i said sometimes there's a bit of a signal and sometimes there's not do you need that back is it going to do any good for us to try to find a box to put it in and send it back to you or or you know we do um yes we do reuse them so when they get sent back for whatever reason we use those same radios and we'll you know clean them up um Fix, sometimes the antennas break, but fix them up a little bit and send them out to other people because there are manufacturers that are making, still making those radios. There's, I think, only two companies now, but it's the, it's the same radio, like I said, as it was, you know, 30 years ago. So yes, we could reuse your radio and send it to someone who's not using the other technologies. Also related to that kind of, we are providing um, the Echo Dots to individuals. So if you do not have already have an echo device 
and would like to listen that way and have internet that will accommodate that, we can send you an Echo Dot instead of a radio. So that might be a solution for some folks that are, you know, that are able to, to have internet. Thank Lori, you. Lori, this is Mandy. Um, I just was going to say, if, if you need any assistance with that person in Coffeeville, just let me know because I do cover that area. Okay, good to know. Yeah, I had sent her the antenna and then it wasn't working right and I just haven't followed up on her. So I will, I will do that today. Hey, your next person is Kathy. I have a question about how do you listen to it on the uh, uh, Victor stream? I do not know the answer to that, um, but that's what the, uh, they're going to talk about that on uh, Monday night. I believe, and maybe Michael or Ann, you can help me. Um, I believe you just go to our web link, don't you, reader.ku.edu? I don't know. I don't use a Victor stream, but that would make sense um, because it's, it would be like an internet radio station, correct? Correct. Yeah. yeah. So Kathy, so you, if you, if you, and you know how to set up internet radio because you've done that, I know you would just need to look for reader at ku.edu and put that in your internet radio station list. Probably. So would that, would that be like, I know we're on Utunes and tap in radio Kathy I'll find out um and I'll I'll have I'll have Kim who listens on the stream reader give you a call because okay. I I know that we can do it but I've not paid attention enough <laughs> to know how it works and I apologize for that oh that's okay I you can't know point, everything right yeah right I would point out that when I used to be a rehab teacher many years ago uh Art Hadley taught my driver how to retune the the antennas on the radios, and we did that a lot. And uh, she she got pretty good at it, and it really did make a difference. Um, yeah, the the antennas really do help, but the biggest problem is um, is getting them, you know, connected because the people that are struggling with this are probably much more limited mobility because right. they are, they are in nursing homes or assisted living. Right. And so they do need an, a helper to do it. And right. it's hard, it's hard to do it. Um, I have written instructions and I have pictures and I can talk over the phone, but um, I appreciate uh, Mandy's offer because it's much easier to just walk into their apartment, it. plug it in, hook it up. And there you go. Trying to explain to them which knob to, which knob to slide it on and how to extend and all of that gets kind of complicated when you're doing it remotely. Right. And Lori, right now you don't have any hands raised. And we made it only three minutes over. <laughs> if anybody has any questions for me or wants more details on this uh, stuff, LRK at ku.edu is my email address and our website is reader.ku.edu. Actually, you have more time than- Oh, I do? Can, I thought I had 30 minutes. You can go to 1045. Oh, oh I thought I was done. Okay, um, let me see. What else are we gonna talk about? We may get you guys ahead here. Um, what about programming, excuse me, what about accessing the program? The, the schedule for audio reader for people. This, yeah, the, the schedule um, is, we send it out in large print and in Braille. 
and it is available through a link on our website. It's a text file on the website. I still think it's kind of it's kind of jumbled, um, and it looks to me. I don't have a screen reader, but it looks to me like if you were reading it, um, it would have a lot of gibberish in it. Um, so that is something that we're looking to you know make things a little bit more easy to use. Um, let me go for the. I'm looking for the link. Is it uh, is it like uh, ACB when they they have community calls every day and they do the program schedule like at nine o'clock every morning? Is that something that you might consider you're putting on the, or maybe you do it anyway? I haven't listened to audio reader for a while, but uh, no, that is a great idea. We used to on our telephone reader service, which I guess I can talk about telephone reader. On telephone reader, we used to you could go to publication five group two and listen to the program schedule, which also listed the books and when the books were being aired. But that um, has not been um, revised or updated in a while. I'm on our website looking for and Lori, you do have a hand raised. Okay, Julie, go ahead. Is it just a regular echo dot that they that they use for the radio reading service for the audio reader? Uh, Correct. Yes. So it's just, it's, we, we created a skill for the echo dot. So you would enable the audio reader skill and be able to listen to us streaming or on demand. But we have found that there are some people who do not have them. um, Don't, do not have them or, um, you know, just can't afford to get one. So we do have some funding to purchase some of those. But I'm so if you do want to try it and you just haven't been able to get one, we have them available to. to oh, give no, to I have one. But I just thought that was a, a wonderful and unique yes. uh, thing to do. And so that I think that's wonderful. Yep. Yeah, our website, it's it should be pretty simple. Just enable the audio reader skill. But our website does have instructions on how to do that. You could also call us and we can walk you through it. I did find um, on our website, if you go to reader.ku.edu slash program dash schedule, it gives that gives our schedule and it also gives links to the programs. So yeah, no, I just didn't know if it was some kind of a special echo dot no. because you know your radios only get that in the public radio station. Correct. So I, I didn't know if it was some special echo dot or just a regular. No, we're moving into modern times where right. we're just available to everybody. All right, that's wonderful. Thank you. And Michael has his hand raised. Yes, I do. I thought I uh, wanted, I, I had not realized that uh, you were doing quite as much as you were with uh, the A-Girl uh, connectors, although we have certainly access to audio reader that way a time or two. But uh, my question is, uh, is it possible now to access the telephone reader part of what you do through the A-Girl? I don't think so, but if you you can make phone calls through through her, so yeah. so if you had her call the number, you could yeah. It you sh- I would think in theory you'd be able to. The only issue being that it is menu driven. So can and I don't I don't use Lady A very much. So would you be able to say? Um, press one to go to the news can you talk to her and have her do the you know on the keypad you'd press a one or press or two can you tell her that and that happens that may be the restriction on some things you can do that and it depends on i don't think it'll work but i'll have to experiment with that thank you very much yeah i will and i will ask our tech guy about that too because i know there is the phone integration but um we haven't done anything to make it 
accessible through her, but yeah, it might be a simple, just a simple change. So would to talk like, about- Would you like to share that number with people? Yes. The radio, so, the telephone service? Yep. To use Telephone Reader, there are um, several local phone numbers. There's a Topeka number, a Lawrence number, and a Kansas City number, but there is an 800 number, uh, 800-335-1221. When you dial into Telephone Reader, it will ask you for your security code and your something something ID code. The demo code is 5887. It spells K-U-T-R on an old touchpad. That's why we have it. 5887. Um, and that will let you use it. It's supposed to be a six-minute demo. If there are no other callers, you might be able to listen longer. So if you demo it and you like it, um, get in touch with me um, and I can get you codes. Because when you have your individual codes, then you have, it won't cut you off. You have unlimited, unlimited and, and listening. How about the, the regular audio reader phone number for them to call you? It's 800-772-8898. That's our main, that's our main line. My direct line is 785-864-4625. And I think on the program that we set out sometime, <laughs> I think your number is on that program and your email is too. We tried to, I tried to leave people that I knew wanted calls and emails from folks. Right. I tried to leave their information on the program so that they wouldn't have to call me and say, how do I find that person? So, uh, but, you, but you can call us, you can call the office. Some of us have these numbers embedded in our brains. Right. So <laughs> you could call us and we'll be happy to tell you the numbers. And on our website, there is a fillable form to apply for service. So if you go to reader.ku.edu on the right-hand side, I think it's the third one down, it's application for service. That will take you to a fillable form. Um, and then once you hit submit, it just shoots right back to me. And then I'm able to, to process the application for radio, telephone codes, internet, whatever it may be. So it's a little bit faster than having to fill out the form. We no longer require certification from a healthcare professional or another service provider. Um, on that fillable form on the website, it does ask who referred you, but it's not a required field. So you can skip it um, or you can just put Michael and Ann Byington for every single one of them and you know, it'll be fine too. Um, but that's a that's a quick way of doing it without having to have the the application form you know printed and filled out so you can do it through a fillable form on our website or you can call us and say I want to sign up for audio reader and then whoever answers the phone will fill out that fillable form for you so making it a little bit easier to get to get the service and again it's reader.ku.edu and the phone number is 800-772-8898 Do I have any questions? I still got a couple more minutes. You have no hands at this time. Okay. Um, let me see what else. What else is going on? We've been back to events. Um, yay, sort of. Events are back. I was in Salina uh, Tuesday of this week at the Flint Hills Area Agency on Aging Senior Fair. Pretty well attended. Um, didn't seem to be as many vendors, but there were a lot of attendees. There is, um, let me see what other events are coming up. The Emporia Senior Fair is the early part of October. Audio Reader will be there along with, I'm assuming, Mandy and Talking Books, because I usually bump into them at those events. Um, the uh, 
Veterans Voices Writing Project, which is a magazine um, of writings by veterans. They're having a veterans pen celebration on the 12th of November from 2 to 4 p.m. at the World War I Museum and Memorial. Uh, Jason Kander is the keynote speaker, uh, and he has written a book about his struggle with PTSD and, and just related to his veteran status. He will be the keynote speaker. There will be tables, booths, and information, as well as Jason Kander signing his books. That is a free event. Um, so if you are interested in hearing him speak or interested in, in writing um, for therapy, it's a really great event to attend, meet a lot of really cool people. Audio Reader, there we go, that segue there. Audio Reader records um, Veterans Voices Writing Project, which is a three times a year literary magazine with poetry, prose, and pictures artwork uh, created by veterans. We record that in audio format and it's available on our website on a podcast page. We also do the VFW magazine um, from the VFW National Center in Kansas City. That's 10 times a year. That is also available on our website. And we also do the Levin, which is the uh, Northeast Kansas Catholic Diocese newsletter, magazine, uh, newspaper. Um, That's available. And the Kansas City Beacon which is an online nonprofit newspaper. We do uh, some of their recordings and you can actually access our recordings through the Beacon's website, which is beaconmedia.com. So in addition to listening on the radio um, and through the telephone, we do have some of these, I don't know, specialty programs that are available um, not through the broadcast day, but are available through our website. Um, we can send, if you are interested in getting them, we can also send you the Dropbox link. Uh, we have a, a mailing list and VFW magazine, when it's available, we email everybody and say, here's the link to the newest magazine. So again, if you're interested in that, email me or email reader at ku.edu and say, sign me up for VFW magazine, sign me up for the 11, um, and we'll put you on the mailing list for that. We're getting ready to do the Lion, which is the magazine of Lions Clubs International, but that's not available yet, but that is another one that will be available, not on the radio, but um, as an audio file that we can email to people. Wow, there we go. Great. Thank you. You've managed you to, coming. you have absolutely, thank you very much, <laughs> Lori, and you did manage to use your 30 minutes, even though you thought you were done 10 minutes ahead of when you were. Well, you know, I'm good at, I'm good at the timing. It's a radio thing, right? Uh, 30 minutes, right. 45 minutes. <laughs> I have to say, Michael, I am loving the carpet. It's film reels, right? Film reels and tickets. Yeah, yes. tickets. Uh-huh. That that's is gonna, that is really cool. That, that's that's our recreation room carpet in our house. Uh, we got it at a discount because it had been ordered by a theater that never got built because of the uh, proliferation of uh, home video and stuff like mm. that. So the carpet place was selling out this this carpet that was supposed to go in a movie theater for uh, less money and usually carpet that goes in movie theaters were is you know really good quality carpet because they it has to survive having popcorn and drinks spilled on it all the time so, right uh, it, it's been great we've had it down for I guess about 10 years now or so it's just really fun I hadn't noticed it before but I get, when you got up to walk over to your machine over there, I think I noticed it, but that's really, yeah, really cool. The silver, silver reels of film and multicolored tickets. And yeah, it's a cool, yeah, it's a cool thing. Kind of cool stuff. I'm glad my thank camera's you. working that well. Thank you, Lori. Thank you. I'm going to stick, uh, stick around for a while and listen. So. Alrighty. Good morning, uh, Michael. 
Lang. Um, everybody knows you, I'm pretty sure, but in case you don't, he is the director of the, the Kansas State Talking Books program. And I know he's got fun things to tell us because they always do. Uh, I would say that um, one of the things that I really, really like about the current changes that's being done at the national level on talking books, then I'll quit, is the fact that they're having authors read their books. And the reason I bring this up is one of the recent books that, that I read was the one about emergency, this uh, doctor, emergency doctor in the south side of Chicago, Tom Fisher. And Tom Fisher is our friend Beulah Carrington's nephew. And it was so good to hear his voice reading that very unhappy book. And so, Mr. Lang, if you can share that with your the powers that be, I really like it when authors read their books. So I can do that. Well, thank you, Anne. So thank you all for inviting me here today. Like, like Anne said, I'm Michael Lang. I'm the director of the Kansas Talking Books Service here with the State Library of Kansas. I've got my notes about NLS updates, um, state, state level updates, and I'm excited to talk about that. I'm happy to answer any question as I go. So if I say something that piques your interest, go ahead and Stop me and fire away and we'll get to what we get through. So um, I'm going to start at the national level and then we'll work our way down to state stuff. So from NLS right now, one of the biggest new projects, one of the more exciting new projects is their recently announced Braille on Demand project. Uh, the project allows NLS patrons to request and receive one hard copy Braille book per month, which you get to keep for ever for your own personal use. Um, the books do have to be available on Bard. And I get, like I said, one book per patron per month, and they will only do complete titles. So if you say, I want volume three, of a book, they're going to send you volumes one, two, and three. The To request it, there's an online form that you as a reader could complete yourself, or you could call us at Talking Books and we can fill it out for you. So that's been going for a few months and I think it's been successful. Um, I have, haven't talked to people who have received theirs, but I know we have a few Kansas Talking Books people who are getting those books. So if you need a book on your shelf and you something that you want to reread, that is an option and it is also free for you. We recently received an email from NLS that they are re they're getting the band back together for their reading technology advisory group. Uh, RTAG is what they call it. So RTAG Members work with others in the NLS community, which is patrons, library staff, equipment repair groups, uh, to review and evaluate and provide feedback on NLS products and initiatives. They're going to start with a remote kickoff meeting in the fall or winter, late fall, early winter, um, and they their focus for this round is the DA2 machine, so the new talking book machine development. 
They may ask for other stuff, but their main focus is going to be on the new talking book machine that they are currently trying to finalize and get out to people. Um, Members serve two-year terms, are expected to attend three meetings a year, be familiar with NLS products and services, be prepared to read pre-meeting material, um, such as release announcements, also should be comfortable giving written feedback on project and are encouraged to share information um, from our tag with their other organizations. So NLS will choose a patron representative from each of the four regions. There's we Kansas Talking Books is in the Midlands region for libraries for the blind and print disabled. Um, patrons may submit their own application directly to NLS. The review and selection will be by the RTAG chair, but applications, which would include a statement of your background and qualifications, no more than two pages, should be submitted by Monday, October 10th. Um, And the email address is nls-rtag at loc.gov. And if you didn't get that, you can call us and we will get you that email address again. But if anybody's interested in providing feedback on the new machine, this is a great opportunity um, to possibly possibly get selected for that. Artag Bard Mobile. Um, hopefully most of you have noticed that you are Bard Mobile if you're Operating system is up to date that your Bard mobile app has been updated. I know mine just got updated. So they NLS has recently released um, new versions for both Android and iOS. I have an iOS device, so I'm more familiar about what the changes there have done. Um, But the Android release was the beginning of the month around the 9th of September. Um, which allows you to pause and resume downloads, updates, search and sort capabilities in the bookshelves and the get books lists, ability to delete books from your wish list, a new more info book details screen, uh, switch the recently read books within the now reading screen, um, and then some features that are set to off in the audio settings that they switched um so auto lockering playback is is off background playback is off so you might have to go in and change some of your settings if you're having trouble in your in your android app and then some bug fixes as well um version 2.0 for ios for apple devices was released just this week i believe or right at the end of last week um One of the biggest differences is the search. You no longer get redirected to the BARD website, but your search is embedded within the app. um, And you can search more quickly between keyword, author, title. Um, You can search and download directly from your search options. You don't have to add it to your wish list and then go back to the wish list. It supports a little bit more natural language um, name searching. So 
you don't have to do last name, comma, first name, or last name only. You can put an author's name in whatever order you like, and it should come up, which is great. Keyword searches can be, are also a lot more intuitive. So the example they use here is if you're looking to find a Terry Pratchett book narrated by Nick DePinto, you could search DePinto Terry and it should come up with the books you're looking for. You can chain update your search to search for audio or braille. You can sort them alphabetically by author, by publication. Your search is also going to include stuff that's in the NLS music section. So it's not going to be separated by, by a wall there. That's going to come up in your search as well. Um, so there's a lot of new things. Um, and you can do voice search as well in the app. So that I was playing around with that yesterday and it seems to look as look or seems to work pretty well. Um, you can confirm that you're using the latest version by checking the bottom of your um, apps setting screen. It'll tell you. So right now they're on 2.0 for iOS and 1.4.5 for Android apps. And hopefully that Android app gets updated to some of these new iOS features because I think the, the searching has really improved just from me messing around with it yesterday is when I realized I had the updated version. Another thing that's happening at NLS is they're offering some programs directly for patrons, for NLS users. Um, then they have a new section called the patron engagement section, and they're offering programs directly to patrons to enrich your NLS experience. Right now they've got two um, that are regularly scheduled. The first is a quarterly patron corner, which they present on the second Monday of the third month of the quarter. So the second Mondays of March, June, September, and December, where they share specific information um, about a topic of interest for patrons. June was a conversation with the collection development and book selection processes. September was a presentation about narration, the art of telling the story. The other program is a monthly program called The Many Faces of Bard, which is presented the second Tuesday of each month. And basically it offers training about a specific feature of Bard and then opens it up for questions for experts from NLS to answer your questions about the Bard service. These are all held through Zoom and they are, um, they happen in the evening as well. I think they start at six o'clock here, central time. Um, and they are recorded. So if you miss one, you should be able to get back and, and watch what they talked about there. And looking at my notes, kind of the other real big happening that I hopefully you all have been made aware um, in May, NLS announced that they were going to cease production of all their physical large print magazine publications. So that includes talking book topics, 
the magazine, the physical one that you would get in the mail, Braille Book Review, and their musical mainstream. Um, each publication is still available in other formats. So talking about topics is on the NLS website in an HTML version with direct links to BARD and the PDF version is available there as well, which includes a printable order form. It's available in audio from BARD. You can subscribe to it as an audio magazine, which comes with a large print order form. Um, we could set you up to get it on your regular cartridge in the mail by sending it to you as a book. There's also an abridged section of TBT in the Braille book review in hard copy Braille or in the BRF file, which is on the uh, NLS website, or it is accessible through um, NFB Newsline. The Braille book review is available in HTML on the NLS website through hard copy Braille subscription and eBraille from BARD and then musical mainstream you can still get in hard copy Braille, eBraille from Bard, audio from Bard, and audio by mail as magazine on uh, cartridge. So like, like a lot of people we heard from, we were really surprised and a little scared once uh, NLS announced this, but there's some benefits that that are outweighing some of the issues that come along with it. I don't know if everybody knew this, but not all of the books NLS added to the collection were being featured in their talking book topics and Braille book review. Um, they were just kind of selecting what they thought people would check and order, but without them having to worry about page counts and printing costs, more and more of the books are being able to be added to the magazines to update people on what's happening. So that's good. People are actually getting better, more complete information on what's what's coming um, to the collection. And NLS is also now putting in publisher-provided book descriptions for new titles um, in Braille Book Review, Talking Book Topics, and on BARD. Um, it gives you the same information that um, people would get at a traditional library, um, give you a bit more information about book topics, easier for you to identify titles that you might be of interest, that might be of interest to you. Um, so there's some benefits to it. We're still kind of working our best options to help people out for book selection, but those are some of the, the positives that have come out of that. So as far as what's happening here in Emporia and in Topeka, um, there have been a few staff changes that I wanted to update you on. On June 1st, Ray Walling was appointed as the acting state librarian, which means he just hasn't gone through the confirmation process to become the state librarian. But he comes to the state library from Baker University, where he was the director of library services at Baker. Um, and at Talking Books, we have a new machine clerk, Natalie, who has been a member of our circulation team since 2016, moved into this new role. Um, Tiffany, who was here for not, not a long time, uh, had an opportunity, and her and her family moved um, over to Missouri. So we're excited about that. She should, we're all learning. It's been about a week and a half, so she's still learning the job, but it'll be, it'll be good for everybody. Um, 
the NLS Braille e-reader, which I think we got a sneak preview of when Ann put it on camera for a while, um, is available still to any talking Kansas talking book patron through our agreement with the State Library of Utah. You can get your books um, from Utah on a cartridge and transfer them with a with a cord and port it over that way, or you can access BARD directly from your device and download it to the e-reader. Um, it is making a huge, huge impact on the number of books um, that talking book users are reading. So I'm doing everything with federal fiscal year numbers, but at this point in 2020, so at the end of August, 2020, talking book users, Kansas talking book users had downloaded 2,978 Braille items from BARD. In 2001, it was 3,946, which is almost a thousand more. This year, um, you all have downloaded 12,806 items. So in a two-year span, that's increased almost 10,000 Braille books, magazines, and musical materials. And I don't think anything is driving that other than people having access uh, to the e-readers. So I think it's it's working. I hope the actual machine is working for everybody. Um, they didn't give us any training, so I can't troubleshoot anything with you. But if you've got concerns, definitely let us know. Let me see what's next. Um, our advisory council for Kansas Talking Books is recruiting members um, from Southeast Kansas and Southwest Kansas, the uh, regional library system service areas there. We're looking for members with unique perspectives who are willing and able to engage with the council, uh, membership in other organizations, a high level of talking books, and contact with other current or potential talking book patrons are all valuable assets. The ability to attend meetings is important. We meet twice a year, once in April, once in October. Meetings are hybrid, so you can come in person or attend online. Um, members serve three-year terms and have to be a resident of Kansas. In short, the group's purpose is to be a sounding board for Kansas Talking Books users to give us feedback on the service and help steer future actions in useful directions and a networking group to learn about services for and experiences um, of visually or physically impaired Kansans statewide. So if you're interested in one of these positions, reach out to me and we will work towards giving you more information. And my, um, oh, not my final, let's do this. We are again offering Bookshare uh, free book share subscriptions to Kansas Talking Book um, readers who are interested. Um, this is an annual membership through Bookshare. We have a limited number, but right now we still have plenty um, to, to give out. So if that's something, if you'd like access to Bookshare um, and you're not a student getting it for free already, contact us and we will get you the information you need to sign up. 
And then the last thing on my list is programs. So the Manhattan Visually Impaired Persons Book Club has gone virtual and they're now open to any Kansas Talking Book patron who wants to participate. Those meetings are held at 1 p.m. on the third Tuesday of every month on Zoom. The next meeting is October 18th. They will be discussing DB107236, Hell's Half Acre, The Untold Story of the Benders, a Serial Killer Family on the American Frontier by Susan Yonusis. I don't know how to say her last name. By Susan J. Um, Our quarterly virtual book club continues to meet. The next meeting will be at noon on December 14th. That book is 94113, Gingerbread by Helen Oyeyemi. If you're interested in either of these book discussion groups, give us a call or contact Maggie and she can get you all the information. Our Youth Reading Club continues to offer patrons under the age of 18 an opportunity to read books, report their reading activity back to us, and earn rewards year-round. We believe that next year's summer reading program will see new features added because NLS has stepped up and they have launched a summer reading planning committee to help create a more inclusive national summer reading program, um, which ties in pretty well with the 2023 theme of all together now um, exploring and celebrating kindness, friendship, and unity. So where I think we're going to have some support from NLS behind us this year, which we have not had in the past and hopefully will be more dynamic and more stuff. I think they're talking about, author talks and author presentations and that kind of stuff. So it'll be, it'll be exciting. And finally, mark your calendars for March 6th through the 10th is Kansas Talking Books Week. We don't know what we're doing, but we're going to do something. So we'd be happy if you joined us with whatever it is we land on. Whew. That's my list. I am happy to entertain any questions or comments you all have. And usually I have Maggie here to help back me up, um, but she's going to the Kansas Book Festival tomorrow. So she's off. You today. have a hand. I got Michael and Ann. Oh, and Kathy. No, you you have, yeah, and you have Kathy. I hope Michael and Ann will wait for her. <laughs> Kathy, go ahead. Um, Michael, uh, my question is, why... Why haven't there been any new books or magazines on BARD for about the last week? There's been very few. And I called the library to ask, especially they're behind on my magazines that I read. And um, I was just wondering why this is and why you were given part of your presentation. I lost my audio, so I had to hunt. Can you... Uh, explain again how you uh, see if you've got the latest addition to Bard. Thank you. We have not heard any. Oh, I'm muted. No, I'm not. We no, haven't heard anything from NLS about delays in stuff coming online, especially usually if there's like a magazine issue, they send us out a alert. And I haven't seen anything like that. I'm showing something's been added every day since I'm just hitting the recently added section, 22nd, 21st, 20th. I mean, things are getting uploaded. So 19th, there was a gap. Oh, that was the weekend. 
um, I'm showing that stuff is getting added. Um, so if it's a specific magazine, I can look it up and see if we can figure that out. Um, but if you go into your Bard mobile and you hit the settings option at the very bottom of the screen, not within any of the other uh, sections, it mine says Bard Mobile 2.0.0, then in parentheses 806. But it's the last thing at the bottom of the screen. And that lets her update? That lets her see what what um, version she's running. Okay. If it's not updated, I think she has to go into the settings in her actual phone. Okay. The I was going to tell you, Michael, that uh, ACB community. Why aren't you disconnected, Michael? ACB community has a program called Writing Works Wonders. It's one of the uh, providers is a gal, a PhD person named Kathleen King, and they have featured several authors like um, C.J. Box. Um, oh, what Reese Bowen? Yeah, Catherine Coulter, and and it's really cool. You can and I and then in Topeka had C.J. Box here in person, and I didn't know about that until it was just about over with. But we might want to. Um, somehow get you on the communities list so you can um, help share that information around the state. I don't know. We're still trying to get people involved in ACB activities, but um, it's another way to find out about, especially people that are already reading on BARD, the right. authors that are reading on BARD, and uh, that that's really kind of fun. So. Uh, sounds um, good to me. <laughs> Michael, did you come back? Yes, I'm here. Do you have a question? Yes, I do. Uh, we have a member of our organization who is uh, becoming an increasingly popular Kansas author uh, named Wes Brummer. And uh, a couple of three years ago, when he put out his first full-length novel, uh, you all recorded it and did a really excellent job with it. I thoroughly enjoyed both the novel and uh, your reader's uh, performance of it. Uh, Wes now has out a second full-length novel called Starlog Sunflower, which is about uh, the prison camp in, uh, I don't remember. Concordia. Concordia, Concordia yes. And uh, I just wondered if there was uh, any progress or if we could do anything to uh, spearhead getting that one recorded on Talking Book as well. I just pulled up my list just to see what I could find out. And what I can find out is it's on our list. <laughs> um, it is on there. Um, and we will make sure it is noted. I mean, I think it's well known that it would be a good thing to record. So, right. so it is It is on the list. It's in the process. We just need to get more volunteers to help us edit some audio i think and we can roll through things a lot faster but it is there it is known and it is towards the top of the list so well, that's great i think that if you uh, uh check the circulation of dust and roses wes's first book uh, you'll find that it uh, really has made its rounds so far 
not only in Kansas, but it's going to some other states as well. And uh, Wes, uh, I know with this second book, he self-published initially uh, his uh, first book on Amazon, but now a uh, regular publisher that is not a vanity publisher in any way, shape, or form has picked up both of his books. And uh, so he is really making some inroads into the uh, world of authorship. And if you uh, need the reviews of of the uh, Dustin Rose, I mean, of, of uh, Starlog Sunflower, why we can probably find some people that will help uh, get some generated. So thank you so much for that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like I said, it's, it is on the list and it is a known, known title of interest. We've just not enough hours in the day to read in our one studio to get everything on the list out quickly. Well, uh, uh, Sheila, do we have other people uh, wanting to ask uh, Michael questions? No, sir. All right. Well, then I think we'll say thank you to uh, Michael. That was a very good, thorough presentation. I was listening at low volume, even though I was calling uh, around to try and find out whatever happened to John Harding. I haven't been successful at that yet. I've left messages on several uh, places at uh, the Kansas State School for the Blind, but so far I haven't been able to find a human being there. So hopefully the robots will get the message to John and we'll find out what difficulty he's having getting connected, etc. cetera. Uh, in any case, we are going to move on. And the next introduction that is scheduled to be done is scheduled to be done by me. And that is for Mandy Smith, who is with the Older Blind Program of Kansas. And uh, uh, her thing that just came up when her camera came on said Amanda Smith. I was going to describe the pretty picture of herself with a nice smile that she had uh, on her uh, email uh, little square when her camera was turned off. But just as I was starting to do that, why she came on live. And I, I can tell that she's sitting there, although I can't see her very well. But then that's why they call me Legally Blind. Mandy is uh, the person who is handling the older blind services in a territory that is way, way too large. It covers about the eastern half of uh, the state of Kansas. Uh, she does an excellent job. She is a certified orientation and mobility specialist. That's the same certification that uh, I have. And in fact, uh, even though Mandy is many, many years younger than myself, uh, she followed me through the orientation and mobility uh, training process at Texas Tech University, I believe one semester behind me. And I had great fun uh, emailing her once in a while when she was in class and we were both uh, meeting on Blackboard. And I don't know if she ever got used to some of my acerbic humor, but I have developed a tremendous respect for what she is doing in the state. And I'm very pleased to introduce her to uh, discuss older blind programming in Kansas. So Mandy, thank you very much for being here and take it away. Well, thank you, Michael. Um, it's hard to believe how fast all these years have have went by. 
so I started uh, the older blind program here. Um, I work at RCIL, the Resource Center for Independent Living. Um, so it had been back in, in 2010. So here we are, you know, 12 years later, and it's it's just flown by. Um, so like Michael said, uh, I am a certified orientation and mobility specialist. Um, and I went through the Texas Tech program, and I have nothing but kind words to, to say about that program. Uh, I did my internship at the Kansas State School for the Blind. Um, great things going on up there, too. Um, at least there was uh, 10 years ago when I was lost up there. Uh, haven't heard anything but good things um, from from there recently as well. Um, and as Michael also said, um, the older blind program, I do, I do cover a large chunk of the state. I cover 32 counties. So the entire state is covered. So in the Kansas City metro and surrounding um, eight counties is covered by Alpha Point. And Vision down in Wichita covers five counties. And then um, the, the agency that used to be known as Pillar that I'm getting trying to get used to being called Beyond Barriers. Um, they have an office in Hutchinson and an office in Dodge City. They cover the 62 Western counties. Um, so I cover basically um, east of Salina um, to, De- to Topeka um, and then from the Nebraska border to the Oklahoma border, um, not counting that Wichita area. So it kind of gives a idea of of my county coverage. Um, It has the issues of of travel time, um, trying to to cover all of those areas um, and and driving from from place to place. Um, But I really enjoy being able to teach those skills in the person's home or their hometown um, versus having them go somewhere and learn those skills and then trying to apply those back at home and they may have to have some troubleshooting going on. So I think that's very valuable to get that training where they're actually at. I know people have tried devices um, in an eye doctor location where they have, um, in my opinion, great lighting and then they might go home and their house is not as well lit and that device doesn't work as well as it did at, um, at a, another location. So again, I think that's something valuable to get to, to have that service in the home. Um, the, the older blind program does differ throughout the state through the different agencies that, that cover it. So for, for those that might be in the, the Kansas City metro and surrounding counties that are covered by Alpha Point or in the Envision area or the Beyond Barrier beyond barriers area um i know their their services are not the exact same as mine um and i know orientation and mobility has been a a tough thing to find so i feel like the people in my areas are um i i don't want to toot my own horn but they're lucky that i that i am a comms and i'm in their area um and can teach those skills because i know a lot of other people in the state don't have that opportunity or the programs are struggling to find that opportunity. Um, just this week, I uh, attended a, a Zoom with the Older Blind Initiative um, program, their technical assistance center. So many states, older blind programs were all on the call 
Um, and I know a lot of states are having issues with finding um, orientation and mobility specialists um, and then the travel with, with the price of gasoline and everything else. Um, but with, with my program, I'm able to not only train people with O&M, but I am able to give out some tech technology uh, through the program. We always have a, a, a chunk of money set aside to be able to purchase items. And again, I know that's not always the case throughout the state. So something great about our program that we're able to offer. And then I do teach those in-home skills, uh, such as cooking and cleaning um, and giving out devices to help with, with reading and writing and such. Um, I don't know why it happens, but it seems like there's a a trend where I'll meet multiple people at once. They all need the same thing. And then there's a trend where, you know, like right now it's been a, a cooking thing. Um, and then there'll be a, a talking watch thing. And so that's kind of neat how that happens that way uh, throughout, throughout my years here. Um, so the program is for anyone who is 55 years and older that has a vision loss that affects their daily living. Um, and it, it can be any kind of vision loss, of course. There's no income guideline or anything like that. So if, if you know someone or you qualify for that program, feel free to give me a call. Um, and if you're not in my service area, you, know, you can still call me and I can uh, get you the, the contact information for either Beyond Barriers and Vision or Alpha Point. Um, I'm sure there's a million other things that I could um, talk about and say, um, but does anybody have any questions right now? I'm going to tell your phone number. Yes, my phone number is 785-528-3105. And I am located in Osage City, which works out well, kind of in the middle of my ter territory from, from north to south. Uh, so I have about a three-hour drive to the extreme ends of my territory. You still have your 800 number. Yes, uh, the one eight hundred number. Let me find it. I don't. It's on my business card. Just a second. Uh, the one eight hundred number is going to be, of course, one eight hundred five eight zero seven two four five. Are you ready to take a question? Yes. Okay. Kathy, go ahead. Well, now, now I forgot my question. <laughs> hi, Kathy. Uh, hi. Um, how are, um, well, I'll have to think of it. I'll, I'll put my hand. I, I, I had a question and I can't. I can't think about, I can't think of it right now. So I'll. Somebody sent me a, uh, a post on Facebook the other day that said, uh, my ability to remember and accurately repeat song lyrics from the 60s far <laughs> exceeds my ability to remember why I walked into the kitchen. So we understand uh, that. We understand. Yes. 
Yeah, my my sons will ask me if I remember something, and I'm like, I can't even eat, remember what I ate for lunch, let alone that. So, luckily, they have impeccable memory, especially my four year old. Oh yeah. Is there any other questions? You don't have any hands at this okay, time. Okay, great. Um, so the agency that I work for, RCIL, is the Resource Center for Independent Living. Uh, we actually just celebrated our 38th birthday on Wednesday. Um, I always make the joke, it's very easy for me to remember the company's birthday because I'm two weeks older than the company. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So we are a non-for-profit center for independent living, which there's several several throughout the the state, Um, and they provide the five core services, um, which I always have to use my fingers to remember them because I always forget one or two. Um, But the main one I wanted to talk about um, is information and referral. I always say we don't know what we don't know, and we don't know what we need to know until we need to know it. And where do you go to find that information out, especially when it comes to maybe becoming um, disabled later in life or a, a, a new disability? So I always tell everybody to call my office. We have an information and referral specialist. They're certified through a national program. Um, And we have somebody on staff Monday through Friday, eight to four, that answer any and every kind of question you have. So even if you're looking for a phone number or looking for a certain agency that provides, you know, a certain type of anything, just give us a call and they'll know the answer or they will find the answer for you and get back to you. So I think that's just such a great program to have um, when you don't know where to look or go to. So either that 1-800 number or the 528 number, you can um, call and talk to one of our information or referral specialists. Um, But we serve all ages and all disabilities. Um, I believe we cover 15 counties for our core services, um, and some of them overlap with my older blind um, counties, and a a few do not. Yeah, I've asked this question before, but we have some people on that maybe weren't on in previous years, and the answer may have changed. Uh, One of the things that I have observed about the older blind program is originally there were more older blind specialists employed by more agencies uh, throughout the program. And it seems like every time somebody left the job rather than refill the position, the agency, or at least that position, just went away and they expanded everybody else's territory. And you now have 32 counties, which seems like a tremendously large uh, caseload area to cover. And uh, you're just one human being whom I know provides excellent services and does an excellent job. But how much service can someone assume that they're going to be able to get in terms of how frequently they will be able to see you or for how long and how long is the waiting list to get your services under the circumstances of you being spread so thin? So the the great news is I don't have a waiting list and I've actually never had a waiting list. So the with as big of territory I have, and maybe it's just because I don't have the time to outreach as much as I would love to do or saturate, you know, a, an area. Um, and, and maybe that's part of it. But the the heaviest caseload I've ever had 
um, I was having to schedule people out about a month and a half out um, for, for a new referral. Um, for people who are doing orientation and mobility training um, or a kind, a kind of training that I need to, to see them more than once, I would say I, I get to them at least once a month, and that's when I'm at my absolute busiest. Um, usually, I can fit people in twice a month without an issue. The the other part will come with where my people are located. So right now I have about uh, 50 open cases um, and they're they're more central and southern located. Uh, I don't I do have a couple people up north. So when I have multiple people on both extremes, then that that can add a, a few days um where it can be a, a, a little bit more challenging or spread that time out a little bit further. I think that, Kathy, actually, might have remembered. I was. Yeah. Kathy may have remembered her question because she put her hand back up. I just wanted to let you know, Bandy, that the Lions Club, uh, Sunflower Lions Club is repairing canes. We uh, have a project and you can get a hold of me you have you have my information and you can get a hold of me and we charge $30 if you need everything done and if you just need a few things done we prorate it and the money uh half the money that we get it goes for our supplies but the other half goes back to audio reader so if uh-huh. you know somebody that needs a cane restrung retape new tips or whatever we're doing that now fantastic can you uh repaired snapped in half canes because that's what i come across the most what kind of canes <laughs> i'm sorry what did you say i said can can you guys repair when they snap it in half <laughs> probably not <laughs> I will definitely put a note for that. That's awesome that you guys are doing that, Kathy. I I might uh, just add in there since we have a little bit more time because we haven't located Dr. Harding yet. That uh, <laughs> that's okay. Part of the curriculum that uh, Mandy and I both were subjected to at Texas Tech was uh, how canes are made and how to repair them and all that. But it's something that we have both agreed that we're not particularly good at. It wasn't one of the things that we did the best at at Texas Tech. And so personally, as an orientation and mobility specialist who's still practicing a little bit in my retirement, I appreciate very much that the lambs are taking some of that uh, pressure off of me. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, and and speaking of orientation and mobility, I do contract with um, vocational rehabilitation um, somewhat to provide orient, orientation mobility training. Um, so I am able to work with um, a few youth here and there. Um, that, I think that's one of my favorite things is on the college campus or just something about the vibe that it, uh, it gives off. This last time, though, I definitely was feeling my age as I was watching students and hearing hearing some of the lingo. I'm like, yep, I, I don't relate with them anymore as much as I used to. Right. Mandy, if you were feeling your age doing that, 
and I'm not working with vocational rehabilitation contracts anymore, but I used to just imagine, uh, I think the last fellow I trained on a college campus, I was 65 years old and, uh, just imagine running all over the Kansas state university campus and, uh, uh, all around and, and, and stuff like that at my age, if it tired you out to do it. <laughs> yeah, I I have um, some back issues, so I'd always be like, okay, can we take a break now and have to sit down for a little bit? So they're pretty great with that, though. Um, back back to the coverage area, Michael. Um, I know we're talking about the the expansion and everything, and and you are correct with that. When I first started, I I had 15 counties, and then um, when you were working with Envision and they pulled out of the North Central location, um, counties, excuse me, um, and I I picked up a few of those and moved to to 23 counties, and then um, when scale down in Parsons. Um, stop covering then I I picked up their county so so that is true um and I know um beyond barriers sorry I I called them pillar for 13 years so it's hard to not call them pillar but beyond barriers um you know their their county coverage I think is very very expand you know be, beyond expanded because they have that whole western part of the state right. and 62 counties, and I, I feel for them. Uh, they do have a couple more staff members than than just you know having me on mine, um, but I can't imagine trying to cover that area out there and as rural it, as it is. Yes, I have to acknowledge some of the uh, participation, uh, not necessarily voluntarily, in, in the uh, spreading out of. Uh, Mandy's additional county assignments because I was originally assigned uh, part of the territory that she ha- now has when I was uh, working full-time for Envision. And when Envision's uh, person that handled the area around Wichita left, uh, instead of refilling the Northeast Kansas position, they gave that up and transferred me to Wichita. And so that's how I became a resident of two cities at the same time, Topeka and Wichita for a while. So uh, I don't know. It's always been difficult to uh, keep people involved and in, in defense of the agencies that didn't refill the positions. Uh, what happened, quite frankly, is that uh, they initially at the federal level put a lot more money into the older blind program that has been sustained. And so a lot of those people didn't have any money to train or uh, even in all cases, pay the salary of uh, replacing the position. And part of the reason that the uh, mater- the territories have all expanded has simply been uh, the fact that there's not as much federal participation in the program. Right. They didn't pick that up. They do their 10% that they have to put in to get the federal monies, but they haven't done anything past that. So the issues that we have are, in a way, a systems advocacy issue in that if we want Mandy to have a smaller territory so she can do even better, and I don't know how she does as much as she does, but if we want to have smaller territories and more people working with older blind, we need to continue to advocate and ask for it. And I I definitely agree with that because I know for sure um, 
because there was the skill out in western Kansas um and then um so so when the the older blind program changed from the the can sell seniors achieving independent living program to the older blind program when they made that um change there there were uh five of us that were sent to Texas Tech to complete the orientation and mobility training um only three of us made it through um, due to one center closing during the process. Um, one person having health issues and family issues and not being able to complete the program and then ended up leaving that agency altogether. And then the two others that completed the program with me, they've since left um, for different um, employment opportunities. So yes, there was no other training other than than back in 2010. Uh, so I, I do agree with you there. I also believe there should be a lot of advocacy um, for program under 55. There's so many calls I get for people who are 36 years old and having a, a surgery that, um, you know, they've already lost sight in one eye and they're getting ready to have the same surgery that caused them to lose the sight, you know, and, or, you know, just people are looking for orientation and mobility training and there's no funding for that. Uh, so I think that's a huge hole um, in, in Kansas's services that I um, feel like should be advocated for. Well, you bring up a very valid point there in that uh, in Kansas, if you are between the ages of 22 and 55, uh, the primary working years, the only way you can really get any assistance with blindness-related stuff that is provided, at least through the state, uh, is to uh, uh, agree that you want to try to find a job somewhere. So if you're a... uh, mom with a bunch of kids at home and you've got those issues or you've got other uh, issues medically where going back to work is not a realistic thing for you. I learned when I was at Texas Tech that they call those things comorbidities, which always sounds to me like something you would find in a horror flick. (laughs) But uh, uh, if you have those issues and you are not a prime candidate for vocational rehabilitation services, there simply are not any services uh, for people who are blind or visually impaired uh, between 22 and 55 to learn anything just because they happen to be blind or visually impaired. You've got to be looking for a job or, or something like that. And we're one of the very few states that cut our services back that far from what they used to be. So uh, I certainly agree that as KABVI, we have a lot of advocacy to work on there. And I have to be honest, we haven't tried to do as much over the last few years because the task has been so daunting and the legislature and even the governor so much against putting back those services that it's been frustrating to keep hitting our head against a stone wall. But uh, we certainly are committed to still keep trying on on that. Uh, We just don't really have a services for the blind entity of any consequence. The good fortune is that the Wichita area does have uh, Envision covering some of the services that the state used to do. 
And the uh, Kansas City area has some services that are provided by Alpha Point. But in the balance of state, this is partially why, and we'll talk about it later, uh, KABVI has uh, opened up offices and are trying to provide at least a few direct services through our uh, retired personnel, uh, i.e. retired uh, rehab teachers or myself as a semi-retired orientation and mobility specialist or uh, through uh, other blind people who volunteer for us who simply know how to get stuff done or, or people like Kathy who go to the Lions Clubs and say we need somebody to repair canes. So uh, that's the status of services in Kansas and this is one of the most challenging times to be in services because there is such a shortage of funding and personnel uh, to provide them. So I want to say that Mandy has uh, been a wonderful asset in for one thing, unlike two of her colleagues, she has stayed and continued to do this stuff. And we appreciate you very much. And does anybody else have questions for Mandy? Don't see any hands. You have no hands raised. Okay. Michael, I was just going to add one more thing about the services. Um, I do refer people who are under 55 to their local independent living center. Um, They do have independent living specialists on staff. um, And I always reach out to those centers too, to let them know that they can always call me if they have any questions. Um, And I have attended some um, meetings and visits with other centers and the the consumer um, and am able to kind of do like a, you know, train the trainer type of approach for people who are not 55. And I'm doing a little bit of that as a volunteer, uh, largely myself, Mandy, and that's what we have to do. And I certainly should have mentioned the Centers for Independent Living. I was employed by two of those during nine years of my early professional career, and I certainly haven't forgotten their value to the state of Kansas. So uh, those centers, though, a lot of them would be the first to tell you that they need the help of people like Mandy or myself or uh, Nancy Johnson or Ann, a couple of our retired rehab teachers, uh, because they need to know how the best way is to help people who are blind and visually impaired. So Mm -hmm. thank you so much. Thank you, Mandy. Um, Michael, I do have a backup plan. Oh, do you? Well, so I do. do I, but I want to hear yours. Okay. Well, first of all, thanks, Mandy, for coming and helping talk about your program. And I know that we need to do a better job of publicizing it to our membership as well. So thank you. My backup plan is there is a, a publication called The News. It's a real ingenious title that the National Library Service puts out every so often. And I was reading through it on my wonderful Braille e-reader not so long ago. And they have an article called 22 Days That Shaped National Library Service History. And it's kind of an interesting article. And if if, uh, you want me to, I'd be glad to read that or we can see what your backup plan is. Well, I think we probably have time to do both backup plans. Uh, I had two things in mind. First of all, on our schedule, it says after Mandy Smith's presentation, we're supposed to have a door prize. And it's a little bit early for it because we didn't have the presentation from John John Harding. 
But I think we'll go ahead and do the door prize. And then after that, I certainly can talk a little bit about the way the School for the Blind in Kansas has been able to survive and uh, do some really great things uh, and uh, keep going, keep serving students uh, both on campus and throughout the state when other states have had a lot of problems keeping up their uh, special uh, specialist blindness education services. And I really want to compliment uh, people in terms of that because uh, they have done an excellent job. But I'm going to ask the A girl now to give me another number between uh, 1 and 36, and then we'll uh, find out what uh, uh, from Bob what that number is. My cell phone just dinged, but it wasn't John Harding telling me what was uh, the problem. It was the, the Weather Bureau telling me it's going to stop raining. So I guess that's good news, unless you like rain. Alexa. Generate a random number between 1 and 36. Here's a number between 1 and 36. It's 21. 21, Mr. Bob. 21 is Sharon Lockhart. Sharon Lockhart. And Sharon Lockhart has won a uh, a gift certificate or a gift gift card for $25. Uh, It's a Visa card. Uh, from Byington Advocacy Consulting. Where, of where does she live, Bob? Does can you tell us that? Um, yes, I think the east part of the state. Oh, okay. I don't know her, so I was curious. Um. Uh, well, that's okay. It's, it's really amazing. There's a few blind people in the state of Kansas that Ann and I actually don't know. Don't know. <laughs> right. You can. Ah, uh, Leewood. Oh, okay. Leewood. All right. She's a, a girl, a, a suburban Kansas City lady. Okay, yep. good. And I think I right. read her somewhere, but I can't remember where or what. Okay. The thing, so I, the thing I wanted to say about the School for the Blind and about Dr. John Harding. Uh, is that there has been some tremendous astuteness in the way that Kansas has managed to protect and maintain its services for students who are blind and visually impaired. And one of the things that I thought, having worked for a while as largely a comms working with school-age kiddos, is that it's really great that we have such super services Uh, in a whole lot of the state for students up to the point that they turn 22 uh, or at least graduate from high school. And it's really a shame that when they get out of school, the level of services is not as comprehensive to continue providing services through life, as uh, Mandy and I discussed earlier. Uh, But the fact that our services for blind and visually impaired children have Uh, maintained as uh, strong as they have is no accident. Uh, It has required a lot of really wonderful planning and uh, strategization. And I wanted to share just a little bit of that so you all know what we have. And then I'll certainly ask if anybody else, uh, either on our panel side or on the other side, uh, knows things about the School for the Blind update that they want to add that I don't think of. But Uh, About every 10 years, it seems like, uh, for many, many years, 
the Kansas State Legislature would decide maybe they could save money by combining the School for the Deaf and the School for the Blind, which really is, whoops, here's somebody from Kansas City, so, and you say something, and I'll see if this has to do with the... All right. Um, This this article that I was mentioning earlier, the 22 days that shaped... Uh, National Library Service history. I hope I get a chance to share it with you. Um, but it begins with some saying that as we start 2022, we took a look back, this is the National Library Service, at 22 key events that made the National Library Service for the Blind and Print Disabled what it is today. And they start out that on March 3rd, 1931, the American soldiers fought in World War I for only six months, but they, su- they suffered a terrible toll. More than 53,000 were killed in battle and another 200,000 were wounded. Many of them were blinded by gas attacks or shrapnel. Uh, concern for the, bo- the, quote, the boys who were blinded in the recent war, quote, led Congress in the 1920s to authorize the U.S. Veterans Bureau to, to buy books in raised type for blinded soldiers. And in 1930, World War I veterans were very much on the minds of Representative Ruth Pratt of New York and Senator Reed Smoot of Utah when they introduced identical bills to appropriate money to the Library of Congress to provide books and, for adults with vision loss. The Pratt-Smoot Act became law on March 3, 1931, the date we commemorate as the founding of National Library Service. It was only 137 words, but in the in the addition, in addition to setting up an uh, annual appropriation of $100,000 for books for the blind, the Pratt-Smoot Act established the framework for the National Library Service network of cooperating libraries and stipulated that veterans receive priority service, a commitment that National Library Service still honors. Four months later, Library of Congress project, Books for the Adult Blind, began operations. Its mission, quote, to furnish blind readers with the best literature in all fields of knowledge, quote. In the first year, the library selected 157 books to be produced in raised type, starting with uh, Woodrow Wilson's biography of, of George Washington. On January 4th, 1879, is celebrated as World Braille Day. January 1st, it, Fourth is also the birthday, uh, 1809, of Lewis Braille. His raised dot system of reading and writing introduced in 1829 revolutionized literacy and education for the blind, though it would take almost a century for it to win uh, out over competing tactile writing systems. The Library of Congress Reading Room for the Blind Uh, predecessor to NLS, once held three books in many of these systems. In 1919, however, it began training and certifying Braille transcribers, marking Braille's 
conclusive victory as the tactile writing system of choice in the, in the US. Today, the NLS collection includes more than 50,000 books in hard copy braille and more than 100, excuse me, 100, more than 16,000 in electronic braille. January 14th, 2011, two years after it began producing talking books on digital cartridges, NLS completed its analog to digital transition. Uh, and I was trying to unmute to answer your question and I didn't get that done very fast. But uh, John Harding uh, did get a hold of me and he apologized. Uh, there were uh, some meetings and things he had to do this morning that ran way longer than he expected. He was overscheduled and he still most definitely wants to talk to us. And he is currently at the School for the Deaf and he's looking for a computer to log on to. So he will be with us for a bit. Yeah, when he comes on, we'll, we'll interrupt because they'll know, uh, Sheila will know when he comes on. Uh, January 4th, 2011, two years after it began producing talking books on digital cartridges, NLS completed its analog to digital transmission. From, from 1968 until 2011, NLS produced 57,245 talking book titles on cassette tapes and distributed more than 49 million copies of books to its national network of libraries. The last cassette shipped American food writing an anthology with classic recipes. Uh, fast forward to 2021 fiscal year when NLS circulated 15.3 million digital audio cartridges and patrons downloaded more than 4.3 million digital audio books and magazines from BARD. And John is here. All right. We will stop reading and let Mr. Harding talk. And we're sorry that things have been as hectic for you as they have been. Apologies. Apologies for being a, a little bit late. We were doing some interviews today and uh, ran longer than I expected. So thank you for your patience. Uh, we, have a, we have a presenter coming in at 12.15, so you get 15 I'll, minutes. I'll, I'll be very brief and uh, just want to thank you, Anne, for the opportunity to share today. Uh, always thrilled to talk about School for the Blind. Um, big picture, good things are happening. We... Um, our, to just tomorrow, we'll be hosting a, a 5K run. We have over 385 registrants as of today. All the proceeds for this run will go to a new gym. Uh, we believe our kids need and deserve nice things too. So um, we'll be in short order uh, raising enough money to upgrade our uh, gym facilities. We have um, so many good things going on. It's really hard to encapsulate, but I, I do want to talk a little bit about our focus. Um, as you know, we are administered by the State Board of Education, and we are funded by the state legislature. We've been blessed in both instances to, to have good leadership and good support. Um, we continue to drive home the message that if students, all students are to be successful, they, they need both the intensity of supports and, and the quality of supports and the amount of those supports to, to be successful, to keep up with their, their peers. 
there is a teacher shortage, as you know, across the nation, there's a teacher shortage in Kansas. And what it comes down to sometimes is an allocation of scarce resources. And we build a very strong, robust outreach team that we believe uses data to allocate those scarce resources in an effective way. We believe teachers like working for us because they are supported. They are provided professional development. They are provided coaching and uh, collegiality in, in this environment. And we'd like to expand that, frankly. So we are asking the legislature this year for an enhancement to hire 10 more teachers that would serve children birth to 21, but primarily birth to three. We're getting lots of requests from uh, what they used to call tiny K networks. These are providers of birth to three uh, students. And we know there are more students who need to be identified, uh, referred for services, and then provided a vision-specific instruction. So um, we're hopeful about that. We, um, we don't know what will happen. There's no guarantee. But the budget, state's budget director, Adam Prophet, was out, and our contacts in the governor's office were out and encouraged us to apply for um, more dollars for more teachers. So we would be thrilled to, to be in that position. Again, we believe that um, when you have a low incidence population that's dispersed across a, a, a wide ge a geographic area, it only makes sense to have coordination. And we believe that we can do that effectively. So uh, in the meantime, we are serving more students than ever. Uh, there are approximately 1,500 students in this state who are blind or low vision, birth to 21, who um, whose, whose uh, education is impacted by that. There are, in one way or another, we serve 800 of those students. A lot of that is through our Instructional Resource Center and our field services, but we are providing more direct instruction, teaching in Braille, orientation and mobility, assistive technology, independent living, et cetera. We know that kids have to have skills both in academics and in functional skills. And I, I say that loosely, we call those ex the expanded core skills. So. That is our, our message, and um, we, we believe that's in sync with the State Board of Ed message as well. So we have uh, got a number of exciting, uh, I would say, new programs. We, we have a vision symposium coming up. We've outgrown Salina. We have over 89 registrants as of today. That will be held November 11th in Wichita at the, uh, I believe, the Drury Broad Broadway there. And we will expect to, to have well over 100 uh, vision uh, professionals, comms, PSVIs, administrators, et cetera. And we, uh, so our, our coaching and professional development game is still strong and we uh, do needs assessments. We ask teachers what they want. This year, we'll focus on the expanded core. We'll have some breakout sessions for comms and uh, probably some information on cortical vision impairment all uh, very relevant topics. The Instructional Resource Center I mentioned earlier, uh, still serving uh, lots of kids, um, sending out braille materials, large print materials, technology. We have a wonderful relationship with uh, Tony Harrell, who's the Instructional Resource Center Director, and our DeafBlind Project with Marita Saltuna serves about um, 150 kids in the state who have both a vision and a hearing loss. So we're blessed to have both Maritas and Tony. We continue to train TSVIs and comms through our training program. Given this, the tremendous shortage, it's imperative that we recruit people to this field. 
for the most part, we used uh, exclusively, we use out-of-state training programs because Kansas does not presently have a training program. So we send most teachers to the University of Nebraska. Um, in some cases, we've used uh, universities in Texas. But in any, in any case, we recruit them. We help them sign up for classes. We mentor, coach, support them once they return. And often we, we release those teachers to school districts. Um, but what's increasingly apparent is it's very difficult for local districts to build their own capacity, to have their own vision program. It sounds nice, but it's increasingly difficult. And uh, that's why we believe a new structure is really, really important. We continue to have strong partnerships. Uh, we have a Microsoft Teals partnership, computer science online, totally accessible. It uses Python, which is industry recognized um, as a, a programming language. We're offering that to students in Kansas and other states. Um, we continue to partner with Make 48, which is a tremendous organization, which does inventor competitions. So you'll hear a lot about design thinking in the STEM arena. They will host a competition on our campus December 2nd and 4th. Um, winners of this competition will go on to nationals. It'll be televised on a uh, PBS uh, television program. Tremendous opportunity for the brightest students in Kansas to come and be a part of a design thinking inventor competition. They will partner with businesses and uh, some representatives from large uh, foundations like the DeBruce Foundation. So anything we raise over 75,000, we get to keep. And we'll use that as part of our makerspace. So our makerspace, our mobile STEM unit, and this competition take us to a whole other level. No other school for the blind in the country is, is offering this type of, of STEM programming. So we're very, very proud of, of that. Um, I, mentioned our, I mentioned our 5K, which will come up this weekend, our vision symposium. Um, we, we've hosted a, our largest summer school experience ever this summer. We had over 100 applicants so big that we couldn't house everybody. So we're also asking for additional dollars to grow our summer school program. A KSHB 41 did a, a news um, article on our project search, which is again, a partnership with the North Kansas City YMCA or the greater Kansas City YMCAs to provide community-based uh, employment opportunities for our students. So students spend most all of the day, Monday through Thursday, at the YMCA, they do three different rotations. So some are working in the business office, some are working in the fitness facility, some are working in the greenhouse. And the goal is to move those students to employment. So they're building skills. This is a program that was started out of Children's Hospital in Cincinnati that a very high success rate in moving people to employment. <clears throat> so for those students who are not yet ready for college or don't want to pursue a four-year degree, or a technical degree, we have now a another option that builds competence and moves them into employment. Our preschool program is growing. We started this a couple of years ago. <clears throat> we now have uh, preschool every day, and we serve mostly, <clears throat> excuse me, it's an enrichment program mostly. So most of these students attend their public preschool, but they come to our preschool for vision-specific instruction. It has uh, grown, so now we have two rooms and two teachers, and we expect that, <clears throat> excuse me, we expect that to continue to grow. Very excited about that. 
one of our students is a KC scholar. He, he last year won a, a scholarship in the amount of $50,000 uh, to attend one of 17 institutions in the metro area. We are very proud of him. He currently attends Bishop Ward High School for advanced placement courses, but we're very proud to support him and he's one of our students. Our low vision clinics are, are growing. We continue to, to meet the needs for low vision examinations across the state, working with optometrists and ophthalmologists, some of whom you certainly know. <clears throat> we will host White Cane, uh, White Cane Awareness Day here in October. Be looking for information on that. Last year, we started a family forum. We hosted over 30 families on our campus to learn about um, skills and um, information that they need to know to advocate for their child's education. We will continue to make that an annual event. Tremendous support from our Casey Blind All-Stars. We have a new playground. We have raised enough money for a new track uh, replacement. Basically, we have to remill the asphalt and, and the rubber overlay. It's a beautiful facility, but we wanna keep it in nice shape and we've raised all of that money privately without any state dollars. So we're excited about that. We have Trailblazer weekend this weekend. Students come from across the, the state. Uh, they will stay on our campus. This weekend, they'll participate in the run and then do other activities that build independent living skills, social skills, braille, orientation, mobility, et cetera. And, I do believe my time is getting very close. So those are just some of the things that your school for the blind <clears throat> is doing. I encourage you to come up and visit us, um, be a part of these things. Um, we would love to have other representatives from KABVI on our advisory board. If there's anybody else that wishes to, to join our advisory board, I would welcome that. I again, wanna apologize for uh, missing my slot, but thank you for giving me the opportunity. Ann and Michael, I'll kick it back to you. I have a question. Um, is you are you not still putting out the Eagle little newsletter that you were in the past? We we are and be looking for that soon. In the meantime, I've been working from our annual report, which we publish every year. I'm I'm actually holding it up, and on the cover is a uh, young child from our preschool in the lap of one of our preschool teachers, and that report highlights all of our uh, year-long activities. We do have an accessible format in, in PDF. I can share that with your group if you give me um, the information how to do that. And yes, we will do an Eagle update. Um, we're also doing family activity boxes for, for students across the state. So we send out educational materials free of charge to families who sign up. I believe we have 35 families today who've signed up for that. Um, so happy to share those things, Anne. Just let me know where to send them. Okay. All right. Thank you. I uh, do want to thank uh, John, and I understand about how schedules can get uh, a little bit confusing when he is handling so many things as he is. And uh, we have about four minutes, so I'm going to ask him to comment on one thing, which is kind of old news, but I think a lot of our membership maybe uh, isn't aware of of everything that's happened. Uh, as you all know, at one time, there was a separate superintendent for the school for the blind and for the school for the deaf. And about every 10 years or so, the legislature seemed to get it in its mind to want to combine the two. 
And when the combining was done, it so happened that the superintendent of the School for the Deaf was uh, about to retire. So Madeline Birkendine, who was the superintendent at the School for the Blind, was uh, moved into the position of being the superintendent of both. And there was originally some angst in the deafness community because of that, because they didn't feel like that Madeline had a strong background in deaf culture. And uh, I was concerned, as I think were many KABVI people, that uh, when Madeline retired, we wouldn't get someone who knew anything about blindness because the deaf community would push to swing the pendulum the other way. But Madeline Birkendine did a brilliant thing. Uh, She uh, hired as her vice principal, I believe, or assistant position, uh, John Harding, who has a strong background in a deaf blindness and can claim credentials in both. And I'm just wondering if you would address for a moment how you think the combining of the two schools under one administration and yet keeping the two separate campuses is working out. First of all, you're, you're overly complimentary. Um, I, I don't, I don't uh, know that I'm worthy of, of that sort of praise, Michael, but thank you. Um, to, to your latter question, it's working out, I think, uh, fantastic. We still share resources with our what I would call our sister school, the School for the Deaf. For instance, we were interviewing this morning for a new HR director. So we do share in information technology. We share operations, HR, business office, et cetera, which allows us to, to cut costs and to be efficient. At the same time, our schools run independently in terms of instruction, which is necessary. Um, we know that these populations are, are very different. We do have a deafblind uh, project at our campus, and we welcome students who are deafblind. But um, it it is a very nice relationship. We support each other, and yet we make decisions independently about what are best for our students and how to meet meet our goals. So I I'm very pleased. I couldn't uh, I, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. To, to be very frank about it, this is a a wonderful place where we can innovate. We are doing, I think, remarkable things with with a small staff that put us, um, uh, we can compare with anybody with some of the things that we are getting noticed for. And Kansas students deserve that. Um, our, our schools deserve that and our parents deserve that. So we're, we're thrilled to be here representing and partnering with so many different agencies. Well, and I would certainly say as a uh, comms that, uh, worked largely with the school caseload for about five years uh, before my retirement. Uh, I always found the technical assistance that I could call upon and receive from the School for the Blind to be very useful and absolutely excellent. So thank you very much for uh, joining us. Yeah, one last thing. Um, I've also made it a point to communicate and convey to the State Board of Ed and the Commissioner of Ed how important it is that parents understand and have a right to invite our school to individual education programs. This is where decisions get made, folks. This is where the, the type and amount of services and placement decisions are made. And, and IEP teams, both schools and parents, have a right to know about what exists. Many times they are unaware of what what exists or what skills are important. They will often hear that their grades are good, that their IEP goals are being met and everything is fine. Well, we, we can look at data to say that post-secondary effectiveness rate is not fine. 
for students with disabilities and, and for students who are blind and low vision. So I've continued to advocate to say parents need to be informed of their right to invite us when they want to get more information about what's available. I'll continue to, to push that message and to work with the commissioner on that. We uh, do did acquire, hopefully, a seat on this uh, special ed advisory committee. It's called SEAC. We would be in an official capacity if that is approved. So it's in the works. We would have a voice at that level. But um, we're adamant that information is power. But it can only be powerful if, if parents are informed. And we hope to get in, in writing um, something from the department that would indicate their right to invite those meetings. I, I wanted to inform you of that because I know you very hard to advocate information is important to you too. Click on and Okay, well, thank you very much. And uh, thank, I want to thank everybody. I think Mandy and Michael are still with us for uh, being flexible and going a little bit early so we could accommodate John. I'm pleased to say that with all of the changes and everything else, we're only about two minutes behind where we thought we would be. And so I do want to take a moment to uh, ask if we need to introduce a new host. I believe we do. I see uh, Lucy Edmonds has made it onto the screen, and I think she has taken over as host or will be taking over. I want to say that uh, I first met uh, Lucy Edmonds at the Michigan Convention probably uh, 20, 25 years ago now, and <laughs> Lucy uh, served for several years as a member of uh, of my uh, resolutions committee when I was chairing the National Resolutions Committee for the ACB. Right, and Lucy is has survived that process. <laughs> she is a veteran of all that skullduggery, and it's absolutely delightful to have her join us as host. You want to introduce oh, yourself, you. Lucy? Well, I'm Lucy Edmonds from Michigan, and I have been a member of ACB since about 1980, I think, and enjoyed every minute of it. Thank you so much for allowing me to host today. Well, thank, thank you, you for being here. And so we don't get any further behind. I believe Anne is going to introduce uh, Marcy Duty, whom I know is here. Marcy is here. Is Brian here? Yes, I'm here. Okay, good. I don't know very much about these folks, except that they uh, reached out to the, uh, their president, their director reached out to the ACB listserv. Um, and I, I know that they've been around for some time because we talked about them. They had a different name before, I think. But um, I have uh, invited people specifically to hear your presentation because everybody knows if you're blind or visually impaired that technology any kind of technology is more expensive for us than it is for anybody else i was remembering uh with the microsoft um support staff the other day i spent four hours on the phone with them resolving an issue and i commented to the guy said in the first probably 25 years that Michael and I were using computers, we figured out at one point that we had spent over $100,000 on uh, computers, software, specifically for blind and visually impaired people, note takers, that kind of stuff. And that was, be I stopped counting at 
that point. I decided I didn't really want to know. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to turn it over to you folks. You can introduce yourselves in more detail if you'd like. And I'm going to run down and get some lunch, but I will be listening on the A-Girl. So thank you very much for helping us. And we look forward to what you have to share with us. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my name is Brian Carver. I am a customer service representative with Co uh, Computers for the Blind. We're in Richardson, Texas, just outside of uh, Dallas. And uh, I've been in the assistive technology world for about um, 26 or 27 years. Uh, originally worked for Freedom Scientific uh, for 22 years. I retired as director of tech support. Uh, in 2020, and I knew about Computers for the Blind because of our relationship with them. Uh, Freedom Scientific provides free JAWS and Zoom text licenses for one year for our clients. So I contacted them, said, hey, I would like to work for you guys and need something to do and keep me busy and something that's worthwhile. So that's what I do, and um, we're looking forward to sharing our, our information with you. Good afternoon. My name is Marcy Duty. I am in customer service for Computers for the Blind as well. I have been in the assistive technology industry for about 16, 17 years. I've served as a vocational rehabilitation specialist in Iowa. I have trained many consumers in Texas to do some beautiful things. I've got some people that turned out to be lawyers, some people that have gone to work for insurance companies and many different things. I started with Computers for the Blind in June of 2019 and have been there, have been here ever since. Enjoy changing lives by providing computers at low cost to people who are blind or with low vision all across the country. And thank you for letting us present. So what we're going to do, uh, Marcy is going to tell you a little bit about Computers for the Blind the background, uh, you know, how we began and and how we've uh, we've grown and, and uh, how this service is a must. As was mentioned earlier, assistive technology is very expensive. It's supply and demand. There's a smaller market and things are more expensive. Um, and one of those things obviously is computers. By the time you buy the computer and you add the synthesizers, if you get hardware synthesizers or you add assistive technology such as JAWS or ZoomText, um, you know, those costs just go up. And uh, so this company is very uh, well needed. And uh, Marcy will start us off. Go ahead, Mark. Marcy. So, so in 1995, Bob Langford was involved in an accident and lost his sight. He decided that he went through college and earned his degrees and decided that something that was very helpful for him in the college environment was a computer. Um, as a person who was blind, he decided if it's helpful for me, it should be helpful for others as well. So he started asking his friends and started collecting computers. Then he, um, the space got so big because he had so many computers and they started getting donations from corporations. General Motors and Texas Instruments are two of the biggest corporations that donate to us currently. We formed relationships with different access technology companies. Currently, we have a relationship with Accessibyte for Typeo. So we produce or we um, have the typing program with our computers. And as Brian mentioned earlier, with Freedom Scientific Vespero, the people who purchase our computers get 
computers, um, computers with either JAWS or Zoom text for the first year after purchase. So that's that's how we started. We've delivered over 17,000 computers to date. We work with state agencies and mostly with individuals who need computers at low cost. Thanks, Marcy. And um, so, you know, as 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 you can see, we have we have a long history and we have a lot of really great partners uh, who provide us with their their used computers. We then renovate those and sell them at a steeply discounted price. Um, our laptops start at $200 and our desktops start at only $145. However, if you if you're buying it for yourself and you qualify for social security, disability, uh, SSI or retirement, or if you're a veteran or spouse of a veteran, or if you're a student, we do have grants available, $60 grant that can take uh, off of that initial price. So uh, with the discount, if you qualify, our laptops are only $140 and our desktops are $85. However, on the desktop, if you do need Wi-Fi to connect to the internet, that will be an extra $15. So the desktop is then 100 without the dis or with the discount. Um, all of our computers are uh, refurbished um, and we offer a one year repair replace warranty on those computers. Uh, during the first year, if anything happens to the computer, you can call us. We'll resolve it over the phone if we can. If we can't, we will uh, have you ship it back to us. We'll repair it if we can. If not, we'll just replace it. And that's for a full year. After that year, we do have pay-per-incident technical support um, that's relatively inexpensive. Um, clients are permitted to purchase one of our computers every year. Um, so if you bought a laptop today, a year from now, you could buy a desktop and, and so on. Uh, or if your computer dies and it's too expensive to fix, if it's been more than a year, you can buy a replacement. And um, so so that's pretty much our, uh, you know, uh, program in a nutshell. Um, in addition to your benefit uh, proof for the discount, if you do need, uh, we do need, require actually, Proof of blindness. Now, this can come from a blindness organization, uh, a doctor, uh, eye doctor, or even your medical doctor, um, who I'm sure is familiar with your vision problem. We just need somebody official to confirm that you are a visually impaired individual and that you would benefit from one of our computers. Uh, once we have those documents, uh, we can then take your order with a debit or credit card over the phone. Um, it takes us a week to two weeks to get the computer built and shipped. Uh, we use free matter for the blind through the post office um, so that there are no shipping and handling charges. Our goal always, remember, is to keep this as affordable as possible. Um, the majority of, of blind folks are on fixed incomes, and uh, this gives them the opportunity to go ahead and you know, get into the 21st century and be more self-sufficient and be able to pay their bills and do their banking and get entertainment over the computer. So it's a really valuable tool, uh, you know, for people. And um, after the one year with the JAWS or Zoom text, uh, as I said, we put a one-year license on there. 
you would then need to renew those licenses through Freedom Scientific. Uh, I think Zoom Text, I think, is about $85 a year, and JAWS is $95 a year. So, but the first year is absolutely free. So you'll have the outlay for the computer. Then a year later, you can renew your subscription uh, with JAWS or Zoom Text if you want to. Uh, there are free alternatives out there. They're obviously not as good, but they do, you know, they will give you some uh, ability to use the computer. Um, and uh, so that, that's pretty much it um, as far as the process and, and all of that goes. I'll let Marcy talk a little bit about the um, tech support, and then we will be happy to take any questions that anybody has. A couple of more things to add with the things that come with our computers. All of our computers come with solid state hard drives. They come with Windows 10 Professional. As we know that Microsoft is going to support Windows 10 until 2025, October of 2025. So we can, um, we at Computers for the Blind are currently licensed for Windows 10 Pro, but have until the mid 2023 or early 2024 to start the Windows 11 licensing. But I really like the solid state drives. You can get a 120 gigabyte, which is either 128 or 256, depending on the smallest solid state drives we have around. You can get 512 or you can get a terabyte of solid state hard drive space. Our laptops can go 8 or 16 gigabytes of memory. Our desktops come with 8. We also give you 388 public domain books from Project Gutenberg, some in audio, some in text. So I always tell my customers, so happy reading because you'll have a lot to read. We also have um, the JAWS training bundle that comes with the computers as well. So you asked me to speak about techno technical support, Brian, as, as he mentioned earlier, we will remote in by telephone if there is an issue. So we ask you to give us a call to speak with our technical support staff. We will remote, it, remote in by phone and we will see if we can fix the issue by via remote. If that's not possible, then we will ask you to send us the computer and you have the one year repair replace warranty. Anything I missed, Brian? I'll I'll go ahead and uh, ask on behalf of the two of them, though, uh, if there's any questions, please raise your hand. Miss Lucy will get right to you. If nobody else has one, I will start out the questioning by uh, saying that uh, when, when uh, Marcy was explaining everything that uh, comes with the computers, uh, some of us low vision types and even people who are totally blind sometimes do like to have a monitor on their system. I didn't hear whether a monitor comes with the computer, uh, but if it doesn't, uh, how much uh, do you charge to add one of those? And if it does, what if you don't need one? Uh, some blind people don't use them. And as a low vision person, I have a pretty good sized monitor, which I suspect will long outlast uh, the age of my Windows 7 computer I'm currently using. So uh, uh, please address uh, that issue on, on your equipment that is provided. Absolutely. By default, the five components of the desktop are the keyboard, the mouse, the tower, the speakers, and the monitor. By default, the monitor is 19 inches in screen size. If you need a larger monitor, we do have that accessory available to you for $50, and that's a 24-inch monitor. And all of our configurations, 
the desktop with eight gigabytes of RAM and a 120 gigabyte hard drive, a 512 gigabyte hard drive, and a one terabyte gigabyte hard or one terabyte hard drive are available to you with the monitors. And they're also available to you without the monitors, just the tower, if that's all you need. Right. So if somebody, oh, go ahead. No, that was it. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, if somebody doesn't qualify for a grant, for example, uh, we do have the ability to take $20 off um, the price if they don't need a monitor. So if they buy a desktop and they say, I don't want a monitor and they don't qualify, we we, we do have the ability to uh, offer a $20 discount um, <coughs> to them. Um, and then, of course, also the laptops have built in uh, monitors. Our standard laptop is 14 inches. Occasionally, we do get in bigger um, laptops, but, uh, you know, with bigger monitors and maybe even the number pad uh, for JAWS navigation specifically. But, uh, yeah, so the, you can get it without a monitor, you can get it with a bigger monitor, or you can attach the computer to your smart TV with an HDMI cable. You can, um, you know, go on Amazon or other places and find refurbished um, monitors that are larger, um, that kind of thing. Okay, you do have, <clears throat> excuse me, you do have a question. Kathy Dawson, go ahead. I I have JAWS already, but, but I would probably, I'm interested in your program because my computer went to pieces. And yeah. I would, they told me it costs 400 and some dollars to update my JAWS. But if I got a new computer from you folks, if it's only $95 to uh, update my, uh, after the year, my JAWS, I'd be better off to go with you folks. How do I, do you have an application that we fill out? Um, uh, how does this work? Uh, and answer my excuse me question about my jaws if if i if i got it upgraded i'd have to pay 400 and something if i went with you with your program with the jaws would i still qualify for the 95 dollar one the answer to your question is yes um there are four steps to our program and i always call them the asian steps the first is the application and so that application is available online at computersfortheblind.org, or we in customer service are happy to help you complete that over the phone. The next step is documentation. We definitely need proof that you are blind or have low vision, as Brian mentioned earlier. And if you qualify for a grant, we need the grant qualifier. So application, documentation, then compensation. We ask for your payment. We take payments by credit or debit card or via money orders then transportation, then we ship the computer to you. And for you to get your JAWS, you would get a computer from us with JAWS 2022. And then we would renew with Freedom Scientific for JAWS 2023. And I I would also point out something that we didn't mention, which is during the, um, I mean, after your first computer purchase with us, we, if you buy for, uh, future computers, we won't be able to include a one-year license for JAWS or ZoomText. So when you buy your first computer, you'll get the free license. At the end of that year, you'll renew it with Freedom Scientific. 
And every year after that, you renew with Freedom Scientific to keep it current. Uh, then if you buy a, another computer from us, you already have a current JAWS license that you can install on the on the new computer. So, yeah, so it's definitely uh, affordable and, um, you know, easy, easily handled. I, uh, this is Michael again, and I'm curious, let's suppose that someone uh, doesn't happen to be employed and they don't have a lot of money they've bought the computer they've gone through the uh, year that they could renew the license with you and then because of finances they choose not to renew their jaws license but switch to uh, nb nbda or some other shareware program i'm just curious what type of uh, of uh issues they they may have had in making that switch from one to the other i'm hearing some good things about nbda and and some of the shareware programs but i have very little experience with them i have used jaws and window eyes and currently i have an old version of system access on my computer at the office but uh uh what kind of of uh, adjustment have your folks had to make when they have switched so in cases like this, what they would do is then install the version of JAWS that we put on their computers, load the shareware software that you're talking about, and then when they're ready for JAWS, contact Freedom Scientific for a new annual version of the current JAWS that's available for that year. Okay. And, and I think part of what you're, which part of your question as well goes to, um, you know, the usability of the different screen readers, if I'm not mistaken. And if that's the case, um, you know, obviously every screen reader is going to be a little bit different. Every screen reader is going to, you know, have their pluses and minuses. Uh, NVDA is a very good free screen reader. Um, Microsoft uh, Narrator, uh, which comes with Windows 10, uh, has come a long way in terms of being a, a useful tool for, for us blind folks. Uh, Marcy and I, by the way, are totally blind. So um, we are users of the, of the technology, but um, yeah, I mean, you know, there's, a, there's always, always going to be a learning curve. So they get JAWS and they learn JAWS and then they can't afford to continue it. Um, they can certainly get a free screen reader. And um, I, I think after using JAWS, I know NVDA just as window eyes used to, I think NVDA has a, Marcy can answer better because I think she uses it more than me, but I think there's a JAWS mode or a lot of the JAWS commands are the same in narrator, but I am not a narrator user. I mean, not narrator, uh, NVDA. I'm not an NVDA user, so I'm not really <laughs> sure about that. Yes, a lot of your commands are very similar. You can use NVDA key T to read the title of the window, NVDA key F12, NVDA key B to read a dialogue. So yeah, a lot of your, your commands are familiar. And the NVDA key, by the way, is the same as the JAWS key. It's the insert key on the on the number pad, or All the right. caps or the caps lock, lock key. If you don't, if you want to yeah. make go into laptop mode or use right. the laptop or the caps lock as an NVDA modifier. Anne Byington has a question. Okay. Uh, I bought a computer from a friend of mine several years ago, and uh, when I got it, he had labeled in Braille the 
and this was the first time I'd ever put a computer together on my own without anybody helping me. So he had labeled the different ports. He had labeled the um, speaker, the, and I knew what those were, of course, the mouse and so forth. But a lot of people, I think when <clears throat> they get a computer from you, that's going to be the next issue is, well, how do I put this together? So I'm wondering, do you provide any kind of uh, brailing labeling or uh, some kind of a uh, directions for how to yep. put it together? Absolutely. We we recently started putting um, shapes uh, like uh, stickers. Uh, uh -huh. So for for example, if you wanted to plug in the monitor, the monitor might have a triangle on it. And then on the back of the computer, you would find the port with the triangle next to it and plug it in. Um, and for visually impaired, they are there are different colors as well. So like, you know, the yellow cable, the cable with the yellow tag goes into the port that has a label, yellow label next to it, that kind of thing. So um, we have made it, and this is recent, um, I don't know, what Marcy, maybe a month or two months, three months mm -hmm. Yeah, it's only been about three months. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, so about three months we've been doing this, and uh, we've gotten positive feedback. Customers are uh, very happy that they can get their package and they can put it together um, themselves. I have a funny story about that computer. When I got it together, I turned it on, and nothing happened. And I was, I was just totally disheartened. So I thought, well... Maybe it's the power strip that I'm using. So I unplugged the computer and plugged it into a different power strip, and it still didn't come on. And so I called the guy that sold it, and he said, well, if it doesn't work, well, you can send it FedEx it back, and I'll see if I can fix it. And, of course, mm -hmm. my husband was out of town that week that I got it. And <clears throat> he came back, and he said, well, uh, did you try a different cord? to it and a power cord and I said no this is a brand new cord so of course he unplugs it and as he's taking it off of the port a little piece of rubber falls out of the connector <laughs> area I was so mad I was just uh, uh. <laughs> I, was, I was just furious because I did everything right except yeah. Yeah, that's great all right Henry Staub has a question Hi there. <clears throat> you can probably tell that this isn't Henry. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's Carolyn. And this is in regards to uh, Kathy's question. Um, so did I understand it correctly? <clears throat> Since she already has JAWS on her computer, she's a JAWS user, that she will have to continue to pay that $500 a year? No. So she, she she has her own JAWS license. If I remember, it's it's not yeah. up to date. So it would cost her 400 Now, understand, the JAWS license she has is through Freedom Scientific. So they're the ones yeah. that sold it to her. Yeah. So the $400 that would cost her to upgrade doesn't come into play when it comes to buying one of our computers. Uh, if her license was up to date, she could install that license on one of our computers instead of getting the free JAWS license. But since it's not, we'll provide the free JAWS license up to date, current version. 
and okay. it'll run for a year and then it's only $95 a year after that to keep after it act, active. Yes, to okay. keep it active and current. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for that clarification. Sure. Uh, um, <clears throat> I know there's a absolutely and then I wasn't sure what we were saying yes to. So, um, <clears throat> okay, so it would be 95 on a, on a uh, computer that she would purchase from you yeah. after that for initial year. Right. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, no problem. All right. No more raised hands. No more raised hands. Well, that's amazing. Oh. This is a program that... So either we're thorough or people don't aren't interested. <laughs> <laughs> like oh, I know that there are people who are interested out yeah. there. Yeah, no, I know. Uh, I guess my question would be a little more esoteric. Okay. Our state affiliate, KEBVI, tried to start a similar program uh, a number of years ago, and we put out oh, one or two or three computers uh, that way to various people. But what we found is that uh, we really did not have the funding base to subsidize enough that we could give people a better deal than they could get elsewhere. Right. And the program kind of atrophied because of that. And we were using a lot of uh, uh, technically knowledgeable volunteers uh, to put things together and so on. But it was still a program that financially we simply couldn't handle and keep running. You all have managed to do well, and we do not wish to restart our program to compete with you in any way <laughs> or form. But uh, yeah. I, I'm just curious uh, how you are able to do what you do. Um, and, and you did mention some of this in your presentation on the support that you got. But just give me a little bit more information as to how you managed to uh, fix up sure. a computer, get what it needs, and put it out for that price. Sure. So... Um, as I said, the, the, a huge help is the the fact that you know we have large corporate donors that sometimes give us four or five hundred computers at once. Wow. Right. So, um, so we, we typically don't ever have a problem with inventory, right? So we we get the computers in, and then when we get orders, they go and they pull a computer out and they they build it. So they're not built sitting on a shelf waiting to ship. We we build them as we get them. Uh, all of that volunteer, all of that building of computers, while well, the majority of it is done by volunteers, uh, as you mentioned. So again, the the labor for putting these computers together doesn't cost us anything. I mean, maybe we might have occasionally buy them lunch or something, but uh, you know, it, and then we price, uh, you know, parts that we might need to buy because sometimes these computers are donated and we need to replace a part or these kinds of things. So those things we do have to buy and we source to get the best price. There are some things that we take a loss on, um, you know, uh, just to make it affordable. Um, so, you know, with all of that, I mean, we only have what seven or eight people working for us eight people um myself marcy and six other people um so we're very small and uh like i said without the corporate donate donations of computers and we get monetary donations right there's individuals and companies mm -hmm. around the country that donate cash to us 
um, because they they see the value in our program. Um, and, um, you know, even clients who have bought computers from us in the past uh, sometimes send us cash donations because we've been, you know, we've been such a blessing for them that they want to help us out. So, so you know, all of those things combined to, uh, you know, we're still operating very close to the, <laughs> to the line, uh, which is one of the reasons we have to keep, keep our staff small and keep our, you know, operations, uh, you know, uh, inexpensive as we can so that we can, you know, uh, uh, make these affordable for people. So, all right. You do have two questions. First is Kathy Dawson. My question is this. Um, you say that I can, I can, uh, call and you'll help me, uh, fill out the application for a computer on the phone. And then I'd need to get documentation. Um, now, is the Windows 10 is I I've been used to Windows 7. Is is there much difference? Well, there is a difference. Um, if you use the search box to start programs, there's not too much because you hit the Windows keys, type the name of the program that you want to start, and that happens pretty much in Windows 10. But we at Computers for the Blind have recently started a training course where we are taking people who are beginners for six weeks over Zoom to um, know a little bit about more, a little bit more about their computers. And those classes begin in January. So if that's something that you're interested in, please let us know while we're taking your order, and we'll definitely sign you up for the class. Also, we partner with organizations like World Services for the Blind, and if you know more than beginning in, or need more than beginning training, we have that available also. The people at World Services for the Blind, their students in assistive technology need students, and so they have volunteered with us to teach our customers. So if you need a little bit more than beginning training, they are able to provide 25 hours of training. And we also provide a lot of uh, training material on the computer. Um, on the desktop, there's a folder called uh, help. And in that folder is, uh, you know, JAWS training material and all of that so that, you know, you can learn on your own at your own pace as well. So all the basic training for JAWS, all of that is in there. Um, but if you, as Marcy mentioned, if you'd like more personal uh, not personal, but if you'd like live instruction, uh, let us know when you place your order. We'll check a box that says you're interested, and then when we start rolling it out in January, you'll be uh, you'll be eligible to get that six weeks of training. Um, and then, uh, as as she said, it, if you need more advanced training um, beyond the basics. Uh, World Services for the Blind, you can get on that waiting list and, and get those 25 hours of training as well. And that's all totally at no cost. All right, Julie McCullough. Yes. Uh, can we kind of encourage um, community members or family or friends when their computers are wearing out and they're thinking about replacing them to donate them to you? Do you take them from just the general public? Great question. There is a section on our website called donations that we ask you to complete. If it's, if your computers or equipment are something we can use, 
then our manager will get back with you, send you a free matter for the blind label, and you can ship those that equipment to us. All right. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. All right. Michael. Uh, yes, I just, uh, this, I think, is a follow-up to Kathy's uh, comment. Uh, you mentioned uh, getting certified. I uh, assume that uh, KABVI office, uh, staffed by a certified orientation and mobility specialist, would be sufficient certification of someone's blindness. Am I correct about that? Yes. You are. Yes, sir. All right. Well, in that case, folks, if anybody wants to buy a computer for them, and you're a member of this organization that I have had any kind of contact with, where I know you're blind or visually impaired, by all means, we'll take care of the certification. Yeah. All right. And, and, and one, one more. Sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. Just <laughs> sorry. One more thing on, on that. Um, I did want to point out something that I don't think either Marcy or I interjected, and that is if an agency, for instance, your agency is buying a computer on behalf of a client. That does happen. Some agencies do that uh, or they do it on a case by case basis, depending on situation. Uh, The discount that we discussed, the grant discount does not apply. So if the agency's buying it on behalf of the client, uh, it would be the full listed price on our price sheet, which is on our website. Um, and then, uh, and then you know you can pay with a purchase order uh, or check or uh, uh, well, a debit or credit card. Ian, um, <clears throat> with regard to Kathy's question, also, uh, just recently I've gotten involved in some of the ACB community call uh, things, and also that. Uh, the Vespero training sessions on JAWS, <clears throat> using it with Microsoft Word and some other programs. And they also offer a, uh, if you send to training at vespero.com, tell them what show you listen to or what show you're interested in, they'll send you a list of directions and keystrokes that they've talked about in the training. Uh, also keep in mind, uh, people that some of us are already Windows 10 users that belong to KABVI. And I'm, I don't presume to be an expert, but I've made so many mistakes. I think I could teach somebody a little bit about Windows 10 and <laughs> would be glad to do that. So uh, <clears throat> it's, it's a little different, but it's not, it's not impossible to learn. It's, it's really not. It's, uh, unless you screw up and do things with Microsoft office or they, or or it does things to your computers like mine happened this week. Um, It's, it's, it's not that unfriendly as far as the, and I haven't looked at windows 11. I'm almost afraid to, because it seems like every time I have to update my skill level from DOS to windows to PC or XP to whatever, (laughs) I do it kicking and screaming because I don't like to have to make those changes but the software company really doesn't care that i don't like to have to do that and yeah. uh, so <clears throat> you whether you want to or not you have to update eventually and learn some new skills but they are learnable most of them yeah. the, the, other, the other thing I, di- I don't think we talked about uh marcy could you let them know more about the software that comes on the computer did we talk about that 
She mentioned Microsoft well, Office, and I don't. I did know. mention Office uh, 2019 students. Okay. okay, they do get a copy of Word, a copy of Excel, a copy of PowerPoint, a copy of OneNote. Mm -hmm. They do get Windows 10 Professional. Talked about the 388 books from Project Gutenberg. The wow. Okay. Bundles. And um, the, so the Office license is not a, not an annual license. Okay, it's 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 installed on the computer. It's it's good to go as long as that computer is up and running. Um, it's not a license that can be transferred to other computers or anything like that. Um, which is another thing we were able to get a really good price on Office to be able to provide to our student, you know, to our clients. Um, and then all of all of those, uh, you know, it comes with two browsers, Firefox and Edge. Edge is the Windows 10 browser. Um, and both of those are very, you know, accessible with, with JAWS. But if you prefer Chrome, you can certainly download that or, or other browsers that are accessible for your screen reader or magnifier. Um, so, yeah, it, we, it's, it's a fully packed uh, computer. And all of our drives, as she mentioned, are SSD. So they're very fast and very quiet and they don't heat up as much they don't get as hot as the old mechanical hard drive so and they don't break down as often because there's no moving parts it's basically a chip so other helpful apps that we provide are the bard mobile i'm sorry the bard express app that people use to download talking books we provide adobe reader so those are just other you know, programs that I use a lot, all the time. I just bought a computer from us and I use the Adobe Reader to open all of my PDFs. Yeah. One of our uh, members from the Great Bend area has texted me in a question uh, through my phone to ask. Uh, didn't expect to get one that way, but it just shows about the flexibility of technology. Mm -hmm. uh, and he says, uh, what's the phone number for uh, those computer people and the, and, uh, did you figure out uh, what I need to do to put my hands to? Oh, that's a question about his access. Oh, uh, oh that's right. Now, I was supposed to ask uh, our uh, uh, host to uh, explain again how he uh, 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 raises his hand on the phone. And I couldn't remember since I'm on a PC. So our website is computersfortheblind.org, all spelled out. And our telephone number is 214-340-6328. And now, I'm pretty sure that's on the program that I sent out. But if it yeah, is, yeah, you did include that. Everybody can contact me. We have had quite, quite an email. Uh, uh, Murphy's Law has been quite active at my house this week. So if you didn't get the program and you want it, just let me know and I'll send it to you or I'll just send you their phone number. Are there other questions for uh, these good folks from uh, computers? I uh, <clears throat> missed some of the presentation. Have you talked about software for low vision people? specifically uh she they talked about zoom text but oh okay yeah what was that zoom text oh yeah zoom text yeah that's the one that you put on normally for low vision people 
Yeah, yeah, we'll put we'll put JAWS on there or Zoom text, or if somebody is in a situation where they need both, we can put both. Okay. Okay, thank you. Uh, let's see, we're about 10 minutes ahead of uh, where we need to be. And uh, I do see that we have uh, Ed uh, on as our next prevent presenter when, when we're ready for him, and I'm glad he's here. But does, do other people have any other questions or comments for Computers for the Blind? I, I wonder if there's anybody else on besides Michael, Kathy, and me. <laughs> oh, yes. There, there are quite a few people. And no hands right. raised. Okay. Well, yeah, it's been a pleasure. Uh, you guys have been wonderful, and we're we're always happy to answer any questions. Marcy provided the phone number, um, and it, you know, feel free to call us. We're open nine a.m. to six p.m. Central, Monday through Friday. Our website again is computersfortheblind.org, which is all computers for the blind is all one word. On that page, you can find the application to fill out. You can find the price sheet showing you the various configurations that we sell and the accessories and um, more information, written information about, you know, the computers and what's on them and, and all of that kind of thing. So uh, we look forward to hopefully helping uh, some or all of you at some point get a computer in the future. This is exciting. And I want to congratulate you on uh, successfully putting together the kind of thing that a few years ago we tried to put together and didn't have the corporate contacts or the resources to do it successfully. I know how much uh, work it is to set something like this up because we tried to do it and didn't get it done. Yeah. And, uh, you guys are doing a wonderful service. And uh, just let us say thank you, thank you, thank you for uh, thinking of this and making it work. Absolutely. And, you know, we, we, we always uh, want to ask everybody to, you know, please let any blind or visually impaired people you know that aren't on this call, uh, you know, about our service. Uh, let them go browse our website or give us a call. Uh, you know, that's how we've been able to grow uh, primarily is word of mouth. Um, you know, we've grown from selling, you know, maybe 10 computers a month to selling over 100 per month. And, you know, it's, um, it's a very rewarding job. We, we help put computers in the hands of people to better their lives. And that's, that's, a, that's a good day at work. <laughs> you do Hi, have that Benjamin. Computers are used for entertainment, education, employment. I mean, they're used for everything. And it's a wonderful thing to be able to provide them to people at a, at a low cost. Wanted to provide an email address also if you guys needed to contact us. We are at service at computersfortheblind.org. So we want to give you excellent customer service. Please, as Brian said, recommend us to anybody who that who you know that will make use of us because we definitely want to provide those computers. Thank you so much for allowing us to present. And we hope you enjoy your convention. You we have any more raised hand if you want to take it. I don't know if you sure. can take that. Yeah, right. All right. Deb? I just wanted to thank you, too, for providing this service. Um, I'm currently using a computer that is a laptop that's now the oh, the wireless capability is gone. So 
in order to use it, I have to plug it in to a modem that's not in a convenient place. So um, I'm definitely interested in checking out your computers, and I appreciate it. Awesome. We look forward to talking to you. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks again for coming, and I'm glad that you reached out to ACB or somebody I found out about you from. I'd known about the programming before, but this is a a more straightforward way to find out and to hear people's voices. And um, I know there are people in this city uh, who could definitely benefit from your services. And I think what I'm going to try to do is after the convention, when I can breathe again, I'm going to write an article for our newsletter because we've, we need to be sharing this with some students around the state and we don't have a direct connection with the, um, with the school for the blind exactly, except I do know the, how to get on their list serve. And I will, I'll be writing some articles for them and also the, um, Oh, Kansas Information uh, and Resource Center lady. It used to be our Talking Books Library director, so we know her pretty well, too. So we'll do some advertising for you. Well, we appreciate that. Exactly. And if you write any articles, uh, we would appreciate if you could send them to us. We can do that. Sure. Okay. That would be awesome. All righty. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you. You, you guys have a wonderful day and a weekend, okay? Thank you. Thank All you. Right. You too. Bye-bye. Ed is here, but I'm thinking uh, that uh, since we've got still about uh, five minutes before it's his actual uh, program to starting time, and to make sure then he can go as long as he may need, that uh, perhaps we should go ahead and do the door prize, which I know I have on the list as scheduled after Ed. But is, are you copacetic with us going ahead and doing one, dear? Sure. All right. You're the boss. You can do whatever you want. No, I'm not the boss. I, as I said earlier, I'm the president, and uh, the past president, who is Anne, is the wind beneath my wings. I'm just yeah. waiting. Okay. Uh, I'm going to ask Alexa to give me a number through one, uh, one through thirty-six, and then we'll turn to Bob and find out uh, who uh, won that door prize. Alexa, sound. Uh, let's see, Alexa, give me a random generated. Uh, you don't know that. All right. Well, listen to me again then. Alexa, generate a random number between 1 and 36. Here's a number between 1 and 36. It's 33. 33, Mr. Bob. Now you're good. <laughs> Pat Toosing. Pat Toosing. Oh, wow. All right. Okay. Very good. Pat Toosing gets a gift card from Byington Advocacy Consulting. Uh, uh, and can uh, yeah, I can't remember the name of my own LLC, but anyway, uh, Byington Advocacy Consulting of Kansas. Kansas, yes, that's it. And uh, it will either be a Visa, MasterCard, or American Express when I don't quite remember what else I've got there, but it'll be one of those. So, uh, that's that's for Pat. So, we're All right. <clears throat> I wonder why Alexa isn't choosing numbers below 20 yet. That's interesting. Well, random is random. Yeah, okay. Um, again, I got an, an, an email from Ed Hengler, and I have had 
a real problem remembering your last name for some reason, which is weird because my mother's maiden name was spelled G-E-N-G-L-E-R, so I should be able to remember yours, but I, <laughs> I, I have some problems with it. Um, Mr. Hengler is the creator, uh, operator of a, uh, uh, um, what do you call yourself, a corporation? Uh, it, it's an LLC. Oh, an LLC called The Blind Guide. And his forte is email, or email. His forte is employment for people who are blind or visually impaired or people with other disabilities, I presume. But he's specifically interested in working with veterans. And um, we had a connection for a while with um, a, a veterans organization for blind folks here in Kansas with a guy named Tim Hornick. And I don't know if he's still on our membership roster or not i haven't talked to him in a while but uh, if he's not i will get you in touch with him because he's somebody that you will want to know so without further ado we will listen to ed hengler sounds good thank you ann i will mention ann uh i replied to your email you may not have seen it but i know tim so okay good uh, if, if you if you still find him i'm always happy to have my the information come from different sources, so that it's fine. But he he is a contact. And he's a great guy, very nice person. He, he started working for the Blinded Veterans Association a couple months ago. I saw him at the annual conference. Oh, really? Okay, good. So, so what I want to do, everybody, is just I'm going to give you a quick history on my background. It'll explain what I think is some of the eclectic interests. And then it appears to me that you've been using the format of people just raising their hands if they have questions. So I'm fine with that throughout the presentation. I don't mind stopping. And I don't think you can derail me. You can try, but I don't think you can. <laughs> so, uh, my quick history is I spent 10 years in the nuclear power Navy. I then did 21 years at Merck Pharmaceuticals. While I was with Merck, my mom lost her sight to age-related macular degeneration. So I'm sighted. Uh, she was blind and to the, well, mostly blind. And to the best of my knowledge at the time, that was the first person I'd ever interacted with who was blind or visually impaired. It was the early 90s. There were no solutions. Obviously, they've learned to deal with AMD a lot better since then. But at the time, there really weren't any solutions. So she was living down in Florida. I'm an only child. My dad had died relatively early. So it became incumbent on my wife and I to try to do something. We moved her up to our Philly, to the Philly suburbs where we lived at the time from Fort Myers, Florida, where she had lived. And uh, obviously not much of an internet then. It was, it was around, but not in the form we currently have. So you couldn't say mom's losing her sight. What do I do? But we found an association for the blind and they literally restored her independence. I know that won't be an unfamiliar story to all of you. But for me, it was pretty cool at the time. So she traveled outside the country for the first time in her life. And it was after she lost her sight. She used to take Philly Rapid Transit all over the place. She became a speaker for the association. And I was at a level at Merck where we were encouraged to give back to the community. And I thought, well, what can I do? And I thought, why don't I join the board of the Association for the Blind? They really did a lot for her. That becomes something meaningful I can do and give back to the community. So I joined the board was on there 13 years, including a multi-year stint as board president. And really, I was on there until we relocated to South Carolina. 
But the other part of the picture is Merck early retired me at age 52. I had two kids in college. That'll probably tell you that early retirement wasn't my financial plan. Uh, I still love Merck. They're a great employer. And with everything I've learned since being early retired, I probably could have stayed there, but I, I didn't have those skills at the time. So I tried to get back into biopharma really without a whole lot of success. Uh, so I'm, I'm a poster child for, I've become a poster child for how to get employed if you're struggling, because I think I've learned as many troublesome lessons as you could learn. I've learned an awful lot. I've now actually coached a number of people who are blind and helped them find employment. So no magic bullets, but I think I understand a lot of navigating that. But anyway, I'm really retired. I can't find reemployment. And then in the space of a about a month, I had three different people say, you're always interesting when we talk with you. But when you talk about blindness, you come alive. So after the third person said that, I went home to my wife and I said, I think the universe is yelling. I just need to listen. Switched my pitch that day. And I said, I want to help people thrive with vision loss. I had watched that work for my mom. I believed it was possible. And I'll always say my disclaimer is I'm sighted. It's easy for me to say, I believe you can thrive with vision loss. It's also easy for me to say, I hope I could do even half as well as some of the amazing examples of people that I've met who have who have lost their sight or been born blind all across all that spectrum. So as soon as I changed my pitch, much as things often work, within a week, I got involved with a UPenn spinoff. They were developing something that sadly eight years later doesn't exist, but it was beaconless indoor navigation. And obviously, I'm sure most or all of you realize that there are now indoor navigation solutions. Most of them still require a beacon, though. And that means you run into trouble. The beacons aren't always consistent, depends on the indoor environment, all sorts of things. So it's good. It's not great. Doesn't match GPS, certainly outside. So we made it five years, uh, unlike or or like most startups. Eventually, we ran out of money and, and ran out of runway. But I thought at that point, I was moving into my late 50s. I thought, what can I do now? I don't think I really would ever be able to work in a traditional job again. I was working 60 or 70 hours. It wasn't about the hours, but it was about the freedom to do what I wanted when I wanted. If it was a pretty afternoon, I wanted to go play golf. It's kind of hard to do that in a traditional job. So working hard, but wanted to work under my own auspices. And I had formed this earlier, but then it really started to come together what Anne mentioned. It's called the Blind Guide. Uh, and I gave her all the information, but just to mention this at this point, it's three words put together, theblindguide.com. And I do a weekly post uh, that talks about thriving with blindness. That might be just examples of thriving, Paralympians I know, and normal people like my mom that obviously I knew. Uh, I talk about entertainment. I talk about things that I never understood, like her desperate desire to go watch the Phillies play. And I would always say, well, but you can't see. And she educated me. I came to realize how much you could see in a ballpark, regardless of what your vision was. So learned a lot about that. I've written about that. I love music. I've written a lot of things about being involved in music, when blind, anywhere from haptic batons to uh, somebody I know who completed a, a performance, a, a degree in trumpet performance, classical trumpet performance with an orchestra as a person who is completely blind. So stories like that, and then I get into the employment, because obviously, if you're of employment age, having meaningful employment is part of thriving. So that's what I do. That's a one-person LLC. 
And if you follow me at all, you will find lots of articles about innovative technology that's being developed around the world. I sometimes do giveaways. I can't match. I only came on at the end, but I can't match the group that you had on before. I'm not, not don't have 100 computers uh, a, uh, a month. That's amazing. And I do want to talk with them. But I've given away some WeWalk smart canes. Uh, I've tried to raise money to do that. And I've done other things like that. So I, I do some things like that. But clearly, they're, they're going to be a better source of technology than me. So before I, I don't see any hands. So I'm going to continue in specifically to employment initiatives. And I know that won't be relevant for everyone. But I would also say, regardless of your age, one of the things that I've come to realize when I was at Merck, I envisioned retiring at 62 or 63. That was in my mind. I would have been there 30 plus years. That felt about right. Now that I'm past 62 or 63, I love what I'm doing. I don't, I, I do want to enjoy myself. I want to travel and have fun, but I also want to stay engaged and, and have meaning. So I'm trying to do both. And uh, so even if you're past working age, maybe you don't need to be, and certainly you can always volunteer. So the things I'm going to tell you about kind of tie into all that. So I'm going to assume most of you have heard of the National Industries for the Blind and or even worked with them. They have a more recent spinoff called Insight that I'm going to guess many of you also know. I want to tell you a story about Insight and NIB, though, that you may not know. I know some of you probably will, but not everybody. And it's a great story about an employer that wanted to hire somebody who was blind. So this group is a small recruiting firm up in Vermont called Orion Global Talent. And they have ties to both veterans and people with disabilities. And actually, Anne brought this up, so I'll comment. Now, my passion is around people who are blind or visually impaired, and it's from my mom. But I've come to realize societal issues, inaccessibility issues, all those things are so similar across the disability spectrum. I thought, why am I limiting it? So I, I do say people with disabilities, but just recognize I have the kind of the personal passion around the blindness side of it. But anyway, they... Talent sourcing is the first role in recruiting. It's actually the input to the recruiting pipeline. You have people that do talent sourcing to find people that potentially would be good candidates for jobs. This group in Vermont felt they needed to hire one or two new talent sourcers. And because of their own personal connections, much like mine, they said, we want to hire somebody who's blind. So they went to the Vermont, whatever they're called, probably the Division of the Blind and Visually Impaired or something similar. Obviously, each state has a little different naming convention. But they went to the, that group and they said, explained what they wanted to do. And the guy said, man, nobody has ever come to me asking to hire somebody who's blind. It's amazing, but I don't have any candidates. And they took that not as a door closed, but as an opportunity. So working with Vermont and with a couple of other groups, they developed the first iteration of a program to teach people who are blind how to do talent sourcing. And, and it was in depth. It was, it was far beyond just casual things. It was a lot of the technique and a lot of the technology involved in finding the right people. Six people graduated from that program. They hired two of them and the other four really didn't go anywhere. And that's not an unusual story, but it's a story I think we all hate because I've now given somebody hope. And the program was free. It wasn't they spent money and they probably had the time. So it wasn't even about the time. It was about the hope that now just got somewhat dashed because it didn't lead anywhere. So they started a second program. They, they went quite a bit more in depth there. Somewhere along the way, 
I was aware of them because they had reached out to me and I had already been working with NIB and I said, you, you two guys, two groups need to get together uh, because this fits a lot within the NIB training regime and the other group has the passion. So, I mean, not that NIB doesn't, but it was just putting two good resources together. So they did another program. They involved some other educational components. They had MIT helping. They really had good folks involved. They've now been through three, if not four cohorts. And the most recent one had, I think, eight or 10 people. Bristol Myers Squibb got very involved. The pharmaceutical company got very involved as a sponsor, as a partner. So when the students completed the, the six, I think it was 16 week program, they then went to BMS where they did talent sourcing as an intern with two things hoped for. One was that BMS would say, boy, they're terrific. We want to hire them. And I mentioned this earlier, I think to this group, I, I talked to a lot of folks, but I understand this, but so many people, I hear so many people say to me, boy, I'd love to hire somebody who's blind, but what could they possibly do? So I've written all sorts of blog posts on that, basically saying they can do almost anything. Uh, I always bring up uh, neurosurgery as an example that right now isn't an option. At least I think it's not an option. But with robotic surgery, who knows? In the future, maybe that is too. But as all of you know, the limitations are few other than societal prejudice. But the actual tangible limitations on what you can do are minimal. So working with BMS in this internship, suddenly they get to see the person and say, well, that, it's not hard working with them at all. And of course, in many cases, because it's virtual, they may not even know the person's blind. So it's, it's a good way to get them introduced. We had a pretty good outcome this time. So two of the six that graduated, I guess maybe it was six or seven, that graduated this most recent program were hired by BMS. So now you've got people who are blind working in mainstream America, on a really good role, the talent sourcing that can lead to other HR roles. Another one to two are going to be hired by Orion. And they have two more that they say they, they just need a little more help. They need a little more work. So they'll get through the funnel. They're not quite ready. And then the last piece of that story is Orion is now creating a service. Let's say there's a company out there, the, one of the ones that I said, boy, I really want to work with somebody who's blind, but I'm concerned about how hard it might be. Well, now they can hire Orion to provide a recruiting service, but Orion is going to have a business line that only uses the people who are blind. So that company now gets to work. They don't have the perceived liability of them being an employee, but they get to work with somebody who's blind. And I think we all know they're going to find that they love them and they might actually be doing a better job than somebody who's sighted. It's an interesting thing. And I, there's a group called Leads at Scale that has a similar story, but they focus on business development, outsourced business development. So they do sales for other companies. And the person said he had two people initially working for him, one sighted, one blind. He needed to hire somebody else. And he got ready to put a normal job description out. And he said, you know what? The person who's blind is doing a better job. They're more empathetic. They're listening better. They're bringing more business in. I think I'm only going to hire people who are blind to do this business development function. So he has sighted folks on his team, but not for the business development. So it's kind of interesting. You get into these phone-based roles, and there's a lot of indication, and not just with blindness, but with this other disabilities, that folks maybe are just a bit more empathetic. Maybe they're listening a little more closely to what's going on. So it's not a compromise. It may actually be a, a better outcome. 
So I, I, just a fun story. Insights involved with that, NIBs are involved with it, and I'm involved with it. Um, so that's one of the three. The other two that I want to tell you about is um, some of you may be aware of this, but there's something called a work opportunity tax credit. Work opportunity tax credit actually stems back to World War II, and at that point it was just veteran tax credits, but it was an incentive for employers to hire, in that case, a veteran. Since World War II, it has expanded into 10 target groups. So you still have veterans, of course. You have people with disabilities. You have long-term unemployed, and obviously there can be an overlap there. Just as there's an overlap between veterans and people with disabilities, there is ex-felons. There are uh, 10 groups, 10 different ones. So an employer who hires somebody with one of these characteristics gets a little bit of a tax credit when they bring the person on board. The problem with it, and boy, did I experience this with my mom, it's a government program. So the forms are hard to fill out. And I just have to share my own personal story there. My mom was eligible for uh, veteran death benefits because of my dad. I think I'm a reasonably intelligent person. I couldn't fill that form in. I tried. I tried to figure out what I was supposed to put in the different blocks. It made no sense to me. I finally reached out to the Association for the Blind. I reached out for the Association for the Blind and also to the Independent Living Center where my mom was, and they helped me fill it out. So hard forms. And then on the employer side, all too often, it takes too much work. So the employers say, yeah, well, it's, it's cool, but it's, it's too much work. The money's not enough for as much work as it is, so they don't do it. So there was a veteran that got out. He realized he had been through three different jobs. And nobody had ever asked him the questions they'd asked to get the veteran tax credit. So he created a company. He calls it Veteran Tax Credits. And this is going to tie into people with disabilities, but just let me lead with the veteran side. So what he does is he pre-certifies veterans, any veteran, disabled or not, with what their tax credit would be. And that doesn't mean somebody's going to hire you just because there's a a $5,000 or $10,000 tax credit. That's not going to guarantee you employment. But it does give you something when that employer reaches the point and they say, is there anything else we need to know? And you say, yeah, if you hire me, you're going to get a $9,600 tax credit. So It's just a little something extra. And the other thing is, let's say it's an employer that currently isn't claiming the tax credits. Now they can say, hey, I don't know if you know about this program, but there's a great program out there where you can get, in this case, 85% of the tax credit. So now as a job candidate, you're starting to bring value to the company. And I mean, that's what half this thing is about. You're, You're not just an employee, you're actually somebody bringing value before you ever started. Um, and on the employer side, what he does is he manages everything. It's an outsourced process. So he, he, he does all the IRS required paperwork. The company tells them when they hire the person, what they're going to pay them. And that's kind of the end. He maintains all the paperwork. If the IRS has a question, he answers it. He gives the employer all the tax records at the right time. So I just want any of you that are considering employment of any case of any sort it's it's a great resource, and there's a link on my website that shows you how to do it. And for a job candidate, it's free. I think I mentioned this to Anne in my email exchanges earlier today, but there's another way you can help on this, and that is if you know an employer that already believes in hiring people who are blind or hiring veterans, I'd love an introduction because 
it's great if I have 12,000 candidates as I do, but if I don't have any employers, it doesn't really work. Now I do have 60 to 70 employers right now. So we have a good start, some are regional, some are national, but we can always use more. Uh, I want more candidates and I want more employers. So that's one thing you can do to help. The last- Sure. You do have a couple of raised hands if you want to okay. take them now. Excellent. All right. Carolyn or Henry? <laughs> yeah. There this you is, go. This is Henry this okay. time. <laughs> All right. I, I I was trying to get the website for uh for that uh, blindguy.com and I can't I can't all I get is window dressings, you know. I don't get anything else. <laughs> you may be not putting the in. So it's the blindguide.com. And there's no, no spaces? Right. No spaces. And I think there's a blindguide.org that is window blinds. So no spaces at all, just theblindguide.com. Well, I think I tried that once, but I still think I ended up, up with window dressings, but I'll try it again. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Yes. Go ahead, Michael. Oh, okay. Uh, very interesting presentation, Ed. And I want to commend you on your work with National Industries for the Blind. I worked for uh, a National Industries for the Blind affiliated agency for quite a number of years in a number of professional positions, uh, everything from teaching orientation and mobility to being their uh, director of governmental affairs that tried to keep the legislators uh, happy and doing good things for us. That's hard. <laughs> time I was doing that governmental affairs work, uh, there was a big controversy because uh, the Rehabilitation Services Administration uh, put down a rule, which is still in place, although it's been interpreted a little differently than it used to be. Uh, but it basically said that no matter how much a person was being paid and no matter how professional their work was, if you had a whole bunch of blind people working in the same place under the same roof, uh, that wasn't considered uh, competitive employment and vocational rehabilitation wouldn't get credit for that. And it was an attempt to uh, force integration into all work environments that uh, the feds were trying to do and are still trying to do. But certainly many people who work for NIB affiliated facilities in positions that didn't happen to be quote unquote integrated, and uh, many of them are now, uh, would say, well, we feel like we are just as valuable and that our work is just as good and maybe better because we're a bunch of blind people working side to side uh, together. And so we have for years opposed that RSA ruling and essentially done so ineffectively. We haven't gotten it changed. You mentioned some agencies that you've worked with that really found that a group of blind folks were better in doing certain types of uh, positions. And I'm just curious how much resistance you have found to having a whole bunch of blind people working together and not following their uh, strange percentages on integration. I'm going you've just educated me a lot, Michael. So I'm afraid I'm going to have to tell you, <laughs> I, I can't answer probably what you want. What I would say is these groups these groups, well, let's say both in both cases that I talked about, they're smaller organizations, and that probably isn't their focus. Is just my guess. Um, but I want to comment one other way, though, because what you bring up is very interesting, and 
I think sometimes I do things that are very naive, maybe because I'm sighted. But I, I thought the goal, I had this image in my mind that everybody who was blind wanted to work in mainstream employment. They didn't want to be limited to only working with people who were blind. And I was talking to one group and they said, it's the, actually the Austin Lighthouse is the group. And they said, you know, some of us really want to be in mainstream employment and we love anything that helps move us into, and by mainstream, I'm, I'm saying the, the ones you're talking about, the integrated would be the other term. But they said some of us just like working with other people who are blind because they get us and we don't have to deal with some of the nonsense that goes with working with people that don't maybe understand no matter how much they care. So that makes sense to me. So it's kind of I've now realized that there, there are at least two viable paths. One is a, a non-integrated in that sense workforce and the other is an integrated one. But I also want to comment, are you familiar? Uh, and I'll ask you, Michael, but it's made for everybody. With what Walgreens did to employ people with disabilities? Uh, not specifically. I, I do know some of the background of uh, uh, people in their ownership path that uh, had dis- had uh, disabilities, but enlighten us. So it's an amazing story to me. Uh, there was a guy in supply chain, a guy named Randy Lewis, and he had a son with intellectual disabilities and he realized that if he didn't do something about it, his son was probably never going to work in mainstream employment. So he decided, he set a goal initially that he wanted to have, I think it was 10% of the people that were in the warehousing supply chain function to have disabilities. In the end, he was so successful. He got up to 33% people that had disabilities and that number is not random. He actually, they did some investigation, said, so if we want to have somebody who has disabilities in the organization, how many, what sort of ratio do we need between somebody who's typically abled and somebody with disabilities? And by talking to a lot of voc rehab folks, what they came up with was kind of a two to one ratio. So if you had somebody with disabilities, you ought to have two people nominally without disabilities. That was the 33%. They got there. They had higher productivity than the, in the, than the distribution centers that weren't integrated. They had lower turnover. They had better safety records and everything. And the two things, neither are specific to the blind, but they're both great examples. They were hiring forklift drivers who were hearing impaired and deaf. And somebody thought, man, why would you do that? That's just so dangerous. Well, their safety record was better. And what they found, obviously, they didn't hear the beep and they didn't hear somebody yelling. But because they couldn't, they were actually more vigilant and looking around than the person that could hear. The other story, and this to me, if you ever need to answer an employer why it's going to be okay and and why you as a person who's blind or visually impaired can work, the, the best example that I heard out of that whole thing was that they had somebody who averaged 17 seizures a day and they put them to work effectively for mainstream wages what they did is they had the person wear a bicycle helmet just to kind of protect themselves when they had a seizure and they taught the people worked around with them what they needed to do and they put them to work very effectively and i forgot to mention but the other thing i think is very cool the supervisor said you know what I'm having more fun at work right now than I ever did before because the people that are working for me are so excited to be employed. They're doing great work and they make work more fun. I don't think I'm telling any of you anything you don't already know, 
But if you're trying to get employment, or even if you're just trying to volunteer and sell yourself, it's stories like this you need to be telling. It's just, I think a lot of people want to do the right thing. They just don't understand blindness. I know I didn't before my mom lost her sight. They just don't understand. They don't understand what's possible. It's not about not wanting you. It's about not understanding how you could fit in. Okay, you have about five minutes, and you do have two questions if you want to take them. Sure. All right. Tyson? Hey, Ed. Um, So first of all, my name is Tyson Ernst, and I was actually at the BVA conference because I am a blinded veteran. Um, And I know Tim very well. Him and I had breakfast one morning, talked a lot about some different things. And I didn't get a chance to meet you, however. Um, So seeing you here today and hearing that you were there came across a little bit... um, Surprised that I didn't get a chance to meet you. However, I am unemployed and I am having a lot of problems finding employment. So you and I are going to have uh, some talks after this conference. But I'm very That's interested true. in it, uh, the veterans tax credit because I've been in that position where I think something like that might have pushed me over uh, into the hiring status. Oh, and and also, suggest- I'm, I'm president of the veterans affiliate for ABC. ABC. Fantastic. Here's what I would say, Tyson, is why don't you, even while the conference is going on, just shoot me a very quick email. I think Ann or Cecily or somebody can get you my contact information. It's probably easier than me spelling it out. Shoot me a note. I'll send you some of these resources. And then when you're done with the conference, we can set up a call. And I'm happy happy to do my best to help. Again, no magic bullets, but I'd love to try. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Henry. Yeah, I'm back with the same question. Um, Carolyn and I both tried, been working with uh, theblindguy.com, and neither one of us come up with anything but window dressings, you know. (laughs) Well, I think somebody can probably share the link with you, but for that third word, are you, is it G-U-I-D-E, or are you saying guy? Oh, I, we're going G-U-Y. <laughs> that, that'll, that'll solve your problem. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Because <laughs> I'm the sighted guy. I'm not the blind Thank you very much. I'm so sorry. No, no, <laughs> don't, don't apologize. That's fine. Any other questions? Uh, Lucy? Not so far. Okay. Hey. Well, we, no, go ahead, Ann. I, I just want to thank you, Ed, for reaching out to, uh, I don't know how you found us, but I uh, thought, well, this is somebody we haven't heard from before. And I'm sure that uh, we, uh, this, this uh, presentation or this convention is being recorded. And once they, we get the podcast back, I will put some of those on our uh, website because I know there are veterans out across the state who um maybe you don't think they want to get a job or maybe they just don't know that it's even possible which is often the case with a lot of blind people not just veterans but students and so forth and we really do appreciate your time and i will uh probably be writing an article about you i've I've decided that one thing i can do is uh after the convention do some newsletter articles because nobody else will write them so i might as well do it about the different presenters. So I'll be talking to you for sure. That sounds great, Ann. I really I really appreciate it. And, and by the way, the, the answer to how I found you, I've been going state by state because I'm trying to recruit the veterans for the, for the usability studies, state by state through the American Printing House's 
printing house for the blinds listing. So they list state by state every organization, at least that they have. So that's that's how I found you. Well, good. Uh, I did see that email, and, and I will uh, post that to our listserv about the usability study. Uh, it seems like um, a lot of times we don't get asked to participate in research like this, and it's critical that blind and visually impaired people do participate. So I'll be sending that out probably to the ACB uh, leadership and conversation list. I've I've had some email issues this week, but I'll get things straightened out and get back in the swing of that. And thank you so much for that information as well. I just want to make one comment about Ed's presentation. And uh, that is not everything that we do with every program speaker is going to apply to every blind person who is listening to uh, us somewhere uh, throughout the world through ACB radio or throughout Kansas or on Zoom. But if we're able to connect up people that helps one person, even that's associated in some way with our organization, get a job or do better or find a resource they haven't found before, we're doing our job as a state affiliate. And uh, I am absolutely delighted that Tyson, who is uh, here helping us with the streaming and so on, and is a very talented, uh, effective radio man, uh, is getting in touch with you, Ed, because those are the kind of connections that I feel good about our organization having some role in, in bringing together. So thank you very much, Ed. Thank you, and enjoy the rest of the conference. Thank you.